This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. back everybody to wrestling omakase we're here today to do our new japan for wrestling year in review and we have a real all-star panel here uh i don't say that lightly here i think this is like uh a real real all-star panel we even we you know people loved the episode last year uh that we did the new japan 2019 year interview and somehow we've added to it here because we've got uh joe joel and damon all back on but also we have rich Krejci here also, hello. Voice Wrestling Flagship. Yes, you can go first, Rich, since you weren't on last year. Welcome. Uh, hello. Hi. Yes, I'm here. Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. Patreon.com slash Voice Wrestling. Get my plugs out of the way early. You plugged for, your uh... Patreon before I plugged mine, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, how have you been doing, Rich? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. It's been a, it's, it's been a busy day at a busy time. Uh, I think most importantly uh, to, to your listeners, uh, the New Japan ebook we have coming up. So a lot of work has been, uh, you know, centered around that but uh it looks like it's gonna be pretty damn good this year uh pretty excited about it this year but uh voicewrestling.com for all the details uh on that and hopefully the last week of december uh first few days of january uh, we're a little ahead of the game so hopefully we can do it last week uh, of december but yeah a lot of work going into that really really cool stuff if anybody's downloaded the past editions it'll be very similar to those uh but obviously with new editions and 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 really just i think a different feel to the book this year which we're, we're going to talk about uh, over the course of you know these next two hours or whatever of of you know the last times we've been doing this book it's almost been like a hundred percent just like people like a love letter to new japan for wrestling in a given year and and, and this year it's definitely uh, a little bit more uh, balanced of of there's people that really really still love it and, and and obviously you know pour their hearts out about how much they love it and then also the flip side uh, uh you know you, you got that too and, and and one of the cool things as well with this year's book uh something that we're pretty happy to finally be able to announce is uh john moxley is doing the forward for our book as well so we got it it's in the can he sent it to us so uh, that's pretty exciting that's a big get for us so we're pretty excited about that one so i should mention we're recording this on saturday december 19th it's not going to come out until probably saturday the 26th it'll be the episode for that week so i don't know if that means the book will already be out or about to come out uh probably not i mean in in yeah <laughs> that would be amazing i would come on here and say <laughs> yes that is awesome the book is done before for that but uh good chance uh, you're gonna have to wait another few days before the book to come out but voice of wrestling.com uh we'll, we'll have links all over the page when when it's up and ready so. there you go okay uh, also here, back from last year, the uh, other co-host of Voice Wrestling's flagship podcast, Mr. Joe Lanza. Hi, Joe. How you guys doing? 
Um, no mid-level podcasters on this show. All-star <laughs> panel, like you noted. So uh, very excited for this. So now now the that begets the follow-up question. Who is the mid-level podcaster of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network, Joe? Oh, man. <laughs> well, you're really putting me on the spot here. I've got to you, – you, you you, you're asking me to bury someone. <laughs> and – I think I'm disliked enough at this point uh, by the masses to start turning on the people on the podcast network. So I'm just going to uh, I'm going to decline to answer. I'm going to abstain from that question. <laughs> abstain. That's fair. Uh, also back from the Super J cast, uh, Mr. Damon McDonald. Hi, Damon. Hi, everyone. What a, what a what a way to spend a Saturday night. We already talked about New Jersey shopping malls and old man ailments and uh you know, we had to we had to warm me up a little bit. You know, I I just can't go in cold and just start rocking and rolling. We gotta we gotta we gotta have a conversation. So we know this is uh, this is going to be a good show. So I'm, I was looking forward to it all week. So uh, I got nothing to plug. I mean, Joel would know. Oh, did I did I spoil something? Joel no. would have more of a uh, an idea of what we have because I have no idea what we even have. See now, <laughs> if, if I I wouldn't call that a spoiler because it's like if I invite the three of you. And then that draw will be a little. Like, it'd be a little weird. Yeah, sitting home, you know, get, getting podcasts, and he's like, "What the what? I wasn't even invited, son of a bitch." Uh, so yeah, Joel's here too. Hi, Joel. <laughs> Hi everyone. Yeah, uh, I'd like to plug the 2020 Super J Cast Year End Awards because the ballot for that has just gone live. Uh, so you can find that pinned to our Twitter page at the Super J Cast. So please get your votes in for that. And yeah, another little plug for the New Japan yearbook. I hear there's a pretty good Hiromu versus Despi uh, piece in there, so keep your eyes peeled for that one. He's go. milking that content for for he's going to milk that for at least another two months. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But I've got to get paid. Come on, gotta get paid. Uh, speaking of getting feet. <laughs> speaking of getting paid, uh, I also want to plug, of course, the Wrestling Omakase Patreon. I'm not going to give the whole long spiel because we have a million things to cover and. Uh, limited time to do it, but I will say it's at patreon.com slash wrestling omakase. Um, I guess I can reveal this now because this is going up on the 26th. It will be the only place this year to get the omakase Wrestle Kingdom uh, live shows, the live reaction shows that we did on YouTube last year. It will be the only place to get it this time will be on the Patreon. So you sign up for $5, you'll get access to that for January. Um, you'll also get access to the um, Tokyo Dome series we're doing right now, covering every single Tokyo Dome main event, not just New Japan, not just One Four. Uh, I've done. I just did Stan Hansen and Hulk Hogan, uh, which was something. Uh, you know, I've done. I did a UWF main event that was under ten minutes and yet somehow still clipped, which was. Uh, I don't. I didn't really understand that, but I did that one too. Uh, so there's a lot of cool stuff up on the Patreon right now. Uh, of course, everything else we've done all year. The Okada Tanahashi series, the uh, the Naito Ishii series, we covered every single match in order. So, all that stuff. If you're listening now and you are into New Japan's history, I think you'll enjoy that, or just Puro history and Puro today too, because we did a lot of tournament coverage this year too. So, Patreon.com/slash Wrestling Omakase, five dollars gets you all that great content. Okay, let's get into the thing we're all here to talk about today. So, getting the four of you on. Uh, it was requested multiple times by different people to me. And the general request went, seemed to go along the lines of there has been a split here in how the uh, some of the personalities on the podcasting network that talk about New Japan 
uh, have you know felt about New Japan this year. I think that's a fair thing to say. Um, with the you know the Rich and Joe have been a little more negative. Uh, Damon and Joel and I have been a little more positive. And I think the idea was you know to try to get everybody together and talk that out and see if we can't come to any conclusions or you know agree to disagree. I guess on what New Japan's 2020 looked like. So. With that in mind, uh, the way we're going to format this episode is a little different from the, the past New Japan Year reviews we've done, where instead of going um, like show by show by show, what I'm going to do here is I'm going to set a bunch of topics, I'm going to ask them a bunch of questions here, I'll give my thoughts to you, of course, and we'll you know kind of do it more as, as like a de- general debate, much more wide open. So topic number one, I think, um, this should be easily the most divisive one of all so let's start off with that right away evil the king of darkness uh <laughs> what did this type did hit that title win that title win over naito um was it a failure was it a success uh was it overblown in the west was it maybe an even bigger deal than some of us have said it was um i'll start with you rich because i feel like you really hated the evil title win and the and the title reign and everything he's been doing since that heel turn. So I guess, what are your general thoughts on Evil, and why do you think it was a uh, a negative for New Japan's year? Yeah, it, it, it's honestly not, and, and I try to preface this, I, I try to let people know, because people, yeah, a lot of people will say the same thing that you do. It's like, oh, you, you hated the Evil Reign, you hate Evil, you hate all that sort of stuff. And it's not necessarily, in a vacuum, I, I have no issues whatsoever you know, with with Evil's reign and Evil's however he wanted and all that sort of stuff. I mean, there's there's obviously issues that I have and, and, and things I could probably break down if I really wanted to. But to me, what, what it, it, it more than anything, it represented just New Japan not feeling like the company that I had watched over the last decade or so, like watched intently over the last decade and had gone back and watched retro stuff. And it's not only the evil thing. It's not only that reign. It's really ever since they came back from the, the, the you know, their, their shutdown and came back for the new Japan cup. It just never to me went, went, you know, throughout that entire tournament, it never felt like new Japan. It was just kind of weird. It was clunky. And it makes sense. Like every, almost every wrestling company in the world went through some weird period this year where it was like, they didn't feel right. I mean, WWE was doing shows in front of chairs. Like they literally set up chairs in an empty arena before they, they got it. Uh, you know, a lot of companies just struggled with how the hell do we do this empty arena? How do we do low capacity? How do we do no capacity? You know, how do we handle crowds or whatnot? So you get New Japan out of the gates and, and they come in with a pretty, I mean, the New Japan Cup is, it, it was just weird. It was just like so different to the senses because it was kind of quiet and, and it didn't feel like the effort was all the way there. But a lot of the wrestlers or maybe wrestlers kind of getting back on, on you know, uh, you know, under their feet and, and and feeling like they're they're ready and, and, and you know, back in, because, you know, they, they yeah, two, three months off is, is quite a long time for wrestling you know, wrestlers to be off. So uh, it, it, it's a combination of that, of like this kind of weird, different New Japan that I didn't really, it was like, I don't know, this is kind of strange and kind of weird, but hey, I'll give them a chance. I'll see what happens. And then it all, you know, kind of culminates with with Evil getting that win and, and, and the way he got the win via interferences and via Dick Togo and via all that sort of stuff. And it kind of all cr- came crashing down at once. It was like, holy shit, like we had this, you know, pandemic, we have COVID, we have this New Japan Cup that's kind of weird and different. And then, oh, now here's like evil is your champion and he's in the Bullet Club and he turned out. It's, it, it was just like a lot all at once. You're just kind of like, oh boy, this is quite a lot. And and to me, it, it was the first time, at least in the in the decade, that I've really, really followed this company like extensively and, and, and covered every single, watched every show and discussed every show and did all that sort of stuff. For the first time to me, it felt like the champion wasn't the, one of the top guys in the company. To me, the first time the champion wasn't 
a guy that I would consider one of the top workers in the company. And and that was an adjustment period. Like, you, you know, yeah, you got a little bit of that. You dipped your toes in a little bit in the water with, you know, a Jay White type. But for the most part, you know, between, you know, Kenny and Naito and Okada and Tanahashi and those guys, it was like it had always sort of been like the top, top tier guys. And I think that was just a big adjustment as well. Is it, it wasn't necessarily because of evil. It was just that it, it, it just seemed unique and different from what New Japan had done. And, and it really wasn't, you know, initially what I wanted. But I was like, hey, you know what? Let's see. It, it, it was an interesting angle. The music was cool. I didn't mind him joining the Bullet Club. And then just the more the matches went on and the more these angles went on and the more things went on, it just I, I just it never connected with me. It's just not who I wanted as the top of the you know the company. It's not what I wanted in the top of the company. And I thought the I didn't really think the bell to bell matches were very good. I didn't love the amount of interferences. I didn't love matches, you know, ending via interferences and, and run ins and all that sort of stuff. But just more than anything, like I said, it didn't feel like the new Japan I had really, really invested in over the last decade. And that is really my my, my biggest issue. Not personally with evil i don't care <laughs> you know what i mean like it's not it's like personal against evil it's just it just felt very different to me and and and, and to me it was it was uncomfortable and it, it the, the difference was uncomfortable to me it just wasn't really what i wanted out of that company and, and really what i had gotten over the last decade rich i do want to enter one counter factual statement into the record uh you did t- uh, title an episode of the flagship evil stinks just want to say that for the record oh i mean he does that's so i mean i'm not gonna <laughs> He doesn't always stink, but he, uh, Evil's champion kind of stinks. So. Uh, Joe, do you want to add anything to Rich's uh, thing there on Evil before I get to maybe the counter viewpoint? I mean, somebody like Evil on top is just not what I want out of New Japan. But I sort of had an epiphany watching the Super J Cup. It's I'm done fighting this. New Japan is now a heel heat promotion. It's what it is. And you just have to come to terms with it. I'm done being angry at New Japan for not being something that I want it to be, but it just isn't. But but the reality is it's just not that it's just not that's not what it is. Um years ago, Rich and I exploded on a podcast and nearly stopped covering New Japan when Yujiro Takahashi helped AJ Styles win the IWGP title. Because that's not the IWGP title for the most part throughout history has been held in a certain reverence. It was kept away from that sort of thing. And aside from that title change and a few other minor instances over the last few years, that largely has been the case. The Okada Tanahashi series didn't, you know, those were just a series of clean wrestling matches with the story being uh, who was better. This sort of deal with a heel cheating champion on top for that title, it offends me. But I've now accepted that this is what New Japan is now. You, you, I don't know if I would term it a failure because I base those things on business. That's just – to me, it's business first and then whatever I personally think. Um, you have to do what's best for business in the pro wrestling business. And because we don't have full crowds and we're dealing with this pandemic, I don't know whether or not evil failed on top. I have no clue. None of us do. So um, I, I can't – deem it a failure it's not personally satisfying to me um i hated the matches i thought for the most part they all stunk because it's not what i want out of the top of the card in new japan i could deal with it down card it doesn't bother me there but when it when it involves the iwgp title i can get that sort of thing in a million other wrestling companies and new japan generally would stay away from that 
But now I've just come to, to terms that this is what this company is, and they're only going to lean harder into it. And that's why the El Phantasmo thing in Super Jacob didn't bother me as much as it may have a few months ago or when he did it last year because that's just what this company is now. It's a heel heat promotion with a bunch of guys in charge who pop for Memphis tapes. And, and you know, they added uh, Dick Togo to the mix, and he's got a voice now, and he has the same mindset when it comes to pro wrestling. And I don't know. I just I'm, – I'm, I'm done ranting and raving about it. This is what they are, and I think it's more uh, productive to analyze them from that perspective than continuing to analyze them like they're – uh, you know, uh, 1991 All Japan or Rings or, you know, modern Noah or something. It's not what they are. Okay. So, and, and it's not what I want them to be. But that's like tough shit for Joel Anza. I mean, they're going to do what they do. And, and you know, the jury's out. When crowds come back, we'll see if it's a successful strategy. There's a couple points I want to make before I turn over to Joel and Damon. Um, I'm glad you brought up AJ winning the title from you from uh, Okada with Yujiro there. And you guys did hate that at the time. That's very true. The AJ, like to me, the evil reign, it's, it actually is very similar to the AJ's reigns because it, there wasn't just interference when AJ won that title. I mean, oh, you, you have Kenny Omega getting up on the apron famously during the AJ Ibushi match at Sumo Hall. You had the entire Bullet Club trying to interfere in the match where um, AJ finally lost the title to Okada before Red Shoes uh, famously told him to suck it and send him away. Um, you know, the interference in AJ's title matches was a major thing that happened in almost every single one of his title matches. So we have had a champion, I think, with that interference. It's been a while. And, you know, so I, th- I do think people people maybe haven't seen it in a while. I mean, I, I don't remember if Jay White had Gato interfere when he beat Tanahashi. I think he might have, but then he won clean, right? If anybody remembers, but... Um, it, it's, it's, but either way, it's been a while for like a real like you know run in heavy uh, title reign. I think so. I think that it, you know Kenny obviously did not do that. Naito, um, well Naito won the title via interference actually, but and they did interfere in the Ishii title match too. But uh, you know, so it has happened. But it is it's been rare for the past like you know three and a half. You know Okada Tanahashi. You know. I think it's because there were so many evil matches in a row where it was the same layout for every match. It's just you're waiting around for Dick Togo to hop up on the apron with the wire. I get that. Right. And it was just it was just too much over and over. But that's how this company books. They pound things into your brain. That's been the pattern for a decade. So so I get it. They're establishing the evil character. So they did it. Over, but it's just, it was just so jarring to see it. In the main events, the same match structure, which was a uh, very different match structure for their title matches than they, they they've been doing for the most part, just over and over the same match. And it's just and I and I don't think that the clap crowds helped. I mean, because then it all comes across heatless right. because nobody can react. So there's a million things working against it. And um, just none of it, uh, you know. Uh, worked for me. I mean, for, for my personal sensibilities and what I want out of pro wrestling, I don't, I don't want that out of my IWGP title in New Japan. If it's Dragon Gate, they have their own established canon for years and years and years. It's it's once you establish what you are, okay, and what your universe is, then that's you know what I'm able to accept in your. And I just feel like 
New Japan is 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 leaning more into being a heel heat promotion. If that's the case, it'll I'll adjust and I'll have to live with it. Am I going to be as invested as I was? Probably not, if I'm being honest. Uh, but you know that's a me problem. If it if it works for their business, then they should lean into it. The other thing I was going to say too is I do think like interference with the undercard to me that's definitely not anything new. I mean there's there's no. basically been one one unit at a time that's designated as the heel bullshit unit that has the run-ins. I mean, and to be fair, that's that has gotten on my nerves, and I've complained about that over the years as well. But it's like to me, it was never a major issue because when it's you know Yoshinobu Kanemaru working, you know, curtain jerking and spitting whiskey in people's face, you can live with it. It's just it's it's far more jarring when it's when it's on the when it's at the top of the card. Listen, Rich was the first person in the universe tired of the Bullet Club. <laughs> he turned on the Bullet Club uh, like six months into the thing, so it's it's not as if we're being inconsistent. That that I don't think anyone would accuse of uh, accuse us of. It's fair, and I think one of the things too, and then then we'll obviously let the Joel and Damon you know give their side. But I think another thing that that, that really hits as well, and this will you know this will vary depending on you know each person and, and, and they're, you know, what they want out of re- like, you know, what they want out of wrestling, what they want out of new Japan. But, you know, you mentioned AJ styles and, and, and yeah, I think that's a decent cop. And I forgot to mention him uh, earlier, but, you know, quickly into that reign, you know, after bearing and after being like, Oh my God, AJ styles, what, what, you know, what are we doing is then he got in the ring and I thought had incredible matches. I thought despite whatever you want to say about the book or whatever, AJ was bringing it every single night and, and Okada brought it and Kenny to me brought it and, and Tanahashi brought it. And I don't think evil brought it. Like that, that's one of the biggest issues too, is, is I can deal with some, you know, I can deal with interference. I can deal with some sort of stuff like that. If, you know, the first 25 minutes of the match I thought were engaging or interesting or fun or, or, or good. And I didn't really think evil was any of those. And and that probably parts apart in it too, is it's like, you're sitting here watching these matches that I really just, I mean, some of them, hit, you know, I liked a lot and, and some I really, really disliked, but that kind of, it was just a, a hit over the head. You're like, all right, I, I'm not loving this match. And then it ends in a way that you, you really don't like. And it's like, well, what, why I don't like anything about this. And and that's, you know, the, the consistent over the last decade has been, I think the new Japan pro wrestling, you know, main event scene, I thought has been really, really, really good with some, you know, very, very few exceptions over the last, you know, decade plus. And this was kind of a real big, again, like I said, just a different, it's just a different approach uh, to doing wrestling than they have done uh, recently. And, and whether it's good or bad, I mean, that, that, you know, that's up for interpretation, but it's certainly different. I don't think anybody would argue that it's a, a completely different approach to how they've, they've gone about it. So I, the other thing I guess I'm going to say before I turn it over to Joan Damon, I do think the idea that I do think that it's overstayed a little bit, like, um, you know, this idea that we're going to have heel interference in every main event and we're never going to have, you know, the classic New Japan title matches again. I mean, we have Naito Ibushi on 1-4, which is going to be a gigantic match, obviously, for both but titles, and there will be no interference. Accurate. I'm sorry? Yeah, yeah, right. Oh, no, no, sorry. Oh, I thought you were... Oh, never mind, never mind. I'm just, I'm just saying there's still going to be those matches. I'm, there's not... Even when AJ Styles was doing bullshit, they were still also Okada Tanahashi at the same time, right? I mean, I don't think you're suddenly going to have... Nothing. I don't, know. I, I don't think you're going to... You have Naito Ibushi on 1-4. I mean, that is one of the two biggest matches of the weekend, and that's going to be a completely clean wrestling match that they're they're building up as just, you know, here's this great wrestling match between two rivals. So I don't think we're totally in an era where we're going to get nothing but heel bullshit. I guess that's my other statement on it. Well, I don't think it's going to be every single significant match, but I do see them leaning into it more than ever. Um, this is two Super J Cups in a row, which were built around putting heat on a heel. It happened to be the same guy, but 
um, this is the Super J Cup. I mean, that's just this used to be, and that, this is actually three Super J Cups in a row. If you want to throw in the disastrous Taichi year, where they ruined the whole tournament with Taichi stuff, so it's and that that used to be a tournament held in reverence, you know, um, you know, from the mid '90s and everything. And they just they they do things their own way, and I understand that, and you can't live in the past, but um, you know, you just it 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 seems to me that it's permeating deeper. And, you know, from things I've been told and everything else that they plan on leaning into this even more because they feel like heel heat is the way to go. And, you know, they might be proven right. I mean, uh, you know, we'll see. I I trust them because their instincts have been so good over the last 10 years or so that you have to give them the benefit of the doubt when it comes to these directions. But at the same time, that doesn't mean it has to be for me. That's fair. I do want to say, too, for the idea of whether or not evil is getting over or working, I do think there is, you know, I mean, his merchandise is selling very well, and they do have fans in attendance holding up the Bullet Club dowels and stuff. I do think there is some anecdotal evidence that it's that he's more over there than, uh, you know, clearly not, clearly the, the Western fan base is not, a huge proportion of them do not like him. Uh, but I do think there is some evidence that he's more over there than uh, he is here. Uh, Joel, let's get you in here. What do you think about the evil thing? Uh, is New Japan ever gonna be the same as it was, or are we totally in a heel bullshit era forever? What do you think? Well, like Joe said, we can't assess it on a business level, so all I can talk about is creatively. Was it creatively satisfying? And for me, it was. As someone who who gets more enjoyment out of the long-term storytelling and the twists and turns and character development of New Japan, for me, that the story made sense. This guy who's you know disillusioned from for being uh, you know the third best heavyweight in Los Ingobernables de Japón, and you know, it made complete sense that he'd turn on his partner, turn on his stable to to get a leg up to finally become a champion. So that all made sense to me. I thought the the Dominion match and the, the finish was shocking and exciting. Damon and I praised that a lot on the Super J cast, and it was a, a fresh coat of paint for Evil. I thought he he looked tremendous. The presentation was cool. The music was cool, and uh, the matches feel more meaningful. Like now, I feel that beating Evil means something. Like you know, we look at the the reaction from the crowd when. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr. managed to beat him in the G1 or when Yoshihashi came so close to uh, avenging the the way he went out in the New Japan Cup when he faced evil in the G1. And yeah, I mean, like we said, cheating, that's that's what New Japan do. I mean, you've mentioned AJ Styles, Naito in 2016, uh, Jay White as well when he first started doing his heel work. I mean, you don't have to like it. I mean, it, it doesn't bother me so much because I, I don't see it as a, a long-term trend for uh, the main event scene in New Japan. They just do it in little bursts to get over new heels. It's it's baby's first heel. It's it's the heel training wheels. There are probably better ways you could do it, but I mean, like Joe says, it is what it is. It, it, it Also, it does seem to be popular with Japanese fans from people I've spoken to on Twitter. So I think that's where the big disconnect is. Japanese fans seem to dig it. Western fans aren't so keen. I mean, personally, I like the matches. I didn't love them. I mean, they're not touching my top three. But uh, the the power struggle match with Naito, the the Zack and Yoshihashi matches in the G1 I mentioned, I thought were very good. So I, I just feel that overall with the restricted attendances, New Japan are playing with house money. It was worth taking a risk. I think Evil feels more important than he did when he was an LIJ Jag. And if the aim was for a short-term elevation, like they did with Naito in 2016, having a little cup of coffee with the belt, I think it's a success. Uh, and I could be wrong. I don't think Evil's going to be doing that forever. Um, but, I mean, the caveat to all this, that I looked on it more favorably before Kenta started doing it in the New Japan Cup. 
and Gorillas of Destiny started doing it in World Tag League, and El Phantasma started doing it in the Super J Cup. So when everyone in Bullet Club is doing it and it's happening in you know half the tournaments they're presenting, then it feels excessive. Yeah, the power struggle. I I'm glad you mentioned the power struggle match because that was the one where like I thought people just like really got unfair with it and like were hand waving it before it even happened, and maybe just. You know, people just couldn't deal with the amount of interference in that match. But if you watch the spots between the interference, I mean, that was the best they worked together in all four matches, and they it finally clicked all the way, and they had what I thought was an awesome match. But, I don't know, it felt like people were ready to hate that one before it even took place, so... Because it was the fourth straight one. Uh, Damon, do you have any thoughts to add here to the evil debate? None, none at all, guys. Um, <laughs> no. um, you know... I think I liked it a lot more when it happened than the where we are now with evil. Like for, for me, the shock that Rich was describing and, and Joe was describing of of seeing that go down, especially coming off of the layoff, um, it was jarring and it and it felt good because not only did we lose New Japan Pro Wrestling, but we lost sports in general, and it just felt like a huge void was missing in my life personally, um, having that excitement and having that shock moment. Um, do I think that they did a shock moment just to do a shock moment? I, I don't know. But I know that we complained for months, begging. Like when they would have those pre-Tokyo Dome title defenses and it was evil, no one thought evil was winning the title. Not a soul. And we had to sit through that just to get through the dome. And then, all of a sudden, this guy that we were so conditioned to being, um, as it was so eloquently described as a hand wave or an eye roll, wins. And it's like, we want to elevate stars, and we want people to have new coats of paint, and we want people to, to um, kind of just, again, develop new stars. I mean, we have guys that... that you know, might not be on the 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 uh, upswing of a career, and we got to create new stars. Just don't create, just don't make it that guy. Right? I think was a lot of the of the feedback that we were getting. We need stars, just not evil. Um, so he wins the title, and everyone's shocked. And I think it was really meant to to be that one moment of Naito winning the title back in a stadium show, an outdoor venue, and that one shot of him on his knees doing his pose and the fireworks in the back. This was not a honky-tonk man title run where you're just like, geez, will this guy lose the belt? And how can they beat Steamboat? It, it was quite a, a couple months. It, so it wasn't that bad. Um, yes, the matches. I Look, I am not a fan of the interference. It's, especially, as Joe said, on uh, a heavyweight title match. I, I really enjoy the fact that that title is special. I really do enjoy the fact that not everyone gets a, a turn holding it. Um, and I don't know if Evil was the right guy at the right moment, but I did enjoy the jarring effect of it. Now, fast forward to where we are right now. The guy's not holding the title, and he's not doing much of anything, period, right? So if the idea was to make this guy a star, and if the idea was to make this guy an important cog in the wheel, or if this, it, it doesn't feel like it now. He is 
In fact, he's almost to the point where he's fast forward material, right? It's almost to the point where it's, I can't sit through this guy. <laughs> I'm going to push back a little bit because that evil Sonata match. Oh, sorry. You broke up out there for a second, David. I thought you were, you'd stop talking. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, you can keep going. You just broke up. The evil, evil Sonata match, right? Yeah, I was oh, going to yeah, even, even, even Evil Sonata match. Was, I mean, uh, I mean, I blame more Sonata than anything else. I'm not the biggest fan. But I, I just don't know if Evil, like if giving him the title for that cup of coffee, just to give it back to Naito um, for those short couple of weeks, was to, was to make him a star, I don't know if that mission was accomplished here, you know, December 19th, 2020. I don't know if that's, if, if that was the goal, I don't know if that was a win for New Japan. Yeah, the only thing I'll say, like I, I was going to say, the Evil Sonata match to me at Wrestle Kingdom feels like a way bigger deal than it would have if you hadn't had that Evil title run. So I do think they succeed to some degree in getting him over. I think it's really hard to tell to what degree with the, the, you know, with the cloud crowds and stuff. But those, you know, the fans are not going wild for the two of them, you know, having that elbow exchange and, you know, Sonata punching at him like they did at that Budokan show if evil wasn't over to some degree, which, you know, I just can't see them booking. As as nonplussed as many fans may be here on these shores about that match happening, it does seem to be a match that people in Japan are into. So It might be, but I'll tell you what. I guarantee you that's going to be snack time for Damon. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fine. That, that's 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 me heating up uh, leftover pizza in the microwave. <laughs> uh, piss break. Uh, check my phone and all, all the above. I cannot say that I am interested in the least in Evil versus Sonata uh, at a half-empty Tokyo. The other thing the Evil win did to me, I think, is at least like the moment I'm going to remember the most from New Japan's 2020, one of them anyway, Nothing more than Naito winning the double titles, I think. But one of the moments I remember is, you know, Hiromu in the ring after Evil uh, beat Naito just screaming his head off, which was, like, one of the more bizarre scenes, I think, in New Japan history, and especially since we were not used to the crowd not being able to react the way they they did in the past. But it's a scene that I think will stick out to people forever, and you, you can't get that scene if, you know, Evil doesn't win the title. So they're... You know, you, you put Hiromu in that spot at at uh, Sengoku Lord the next month. You let him be the one evil defense. And the way that crowd went nuts for, uh, you know, they basically forgot they weren't supposed to cheer when Hiromu almost pinned him. Um, you know, it just, it, like, there are other elements to the evil win other than just evil. And I do think the evil Hiromu thing will be something that, that will be revisited once Hiromu, um, you know, the generational, uh, the fact that they came up together. That will be revisited once Hiromu eventually moves up to heavyweight, whether that's, you know, 2022, 2023. But, you know, I do think there's other parts to this evil thing other than just him himself and did it work in this exact moment for people. But you know. No, yeah, I think you're right. I think they're clearly I, – I, I'll disagree with Damon a little. I think they're clearly elevating evil here. I think evil is a guy now. And I think he'll be a guy moving forward. And I think John is right in that off of this – they're eventually going to elevate Sonata and Hiromu as well. I think Hiromu's already there, Joe. I think Hiromu's already there. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just a matter of, yeah, I mean, it's just, look, Rich and I talk about this all the time. It, there's one of two ways to go with Hiromu. Elevate the entire junior division or get him out of the junior division. 
their pattern seems to be that they get guys out of the junior division as opposed to elevating the entire division. I don't really care which way they go. You know what I mean? As long as he eventually is headlining shows and drawing money. So I, I agree with you. And I do think Evil will be a catalyst to, to help get Sonata and Hiromu all the way there and over the top. Um, you know, the other thing about it is it's New Japan always they – have, they have always uh, in this era done matches to death. They'll pair two guys up and they'll wrestle four times in, in seven months and you're just – you're sick of it. In this case, they did the Naito evil match to death and it was a shitty match and it was a match structure that I hate. And it involves one of the two wrestlers that I just don't think is very good and evil. I think he's okay. So when you add all these those things together, you can see why somebody like me and a lot of the people who didn't like it hated it even more because we're so sick of it. And on top of it, like at least a lot of times when they pair two guys together and they wrestle four times in a row, by the fourth match you might be tired of it, but you Still loved yeah. yeah, you loved the first two or three matches so much that you live you just live with it. In this case, it was four matches that just were irritating to begin with done in such succession. I think they would have been more spread out though in a non-COVID year, though. For sure. Yeah, because it would have been Sakura Genesis where he wins the belt. Um, anyway, we don't have to go through the whole thing. But it would have been it would have been more spread out, I think. Um, and I will agree that the turn itself I liked. I thought that was had impact and was that was like a whoa moment, like Damon said. Like, oh, well, and like Rich alluded to, too. I liked the turn. And I did think that the final match was the best match. So I agree with both of those points. Everything in between, you could, you know, go kick rocks. I hated it. I did think, it, like, it did give Naito an awesome moment at, at Jingu, like Joel said, which was... That's true. Yeah. That's true. I mean, the, the the match itself was my least favorite of the four. But, like, yeah. the the actual moment at the end of it was pretty awesome. Do you uh, guys think this was in, in the works from the beginning? Yeah. Do you think this was in, 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 the, in the plan for 2020? I or was so. it a reaction to? No, I think it was. I think it was always the plan. Because the I more I look, the more I look at it, Naito started saying stuff in like interviews about how Evil uh, needs to catch up with the rest of the unit in like February. So like they were planting the seeds early. So yeah, yeah I think. Well, th- and don't forget, we have Jericho saying on his podcast that Gato told him he was going to put the title on Evil back when Jericho was in that program with Evil. So this was in the cards for a long time. Do you believe that? I mean, what would be Jericho's... I mean, listen. Well, I, I've heard everything from Kenny's supposed to be in a bushy spot <laughs> right now to, I mean, it seems like these guys have long conversations. Like, conversations where it's now 24 hours and, and what else have you done today? You know what I mean? Like, like he seems to... Like, why would Chris Jericho... Seriously. Why would Chris Jericho have all this insider knowledge He's flown in. He goes to the hotel. He has a couple beers with people. He hides from everybody. You you never see him. Um, he turns away pictures and all that stuff. And then he goes to the shows. I just don't see. So, him. Does I, he hide I from Gato though? That, yeah, that that'd be my big. They go back a lot of years. They do, but I just don't see like like Gato's got a fucking Tokyo Dome to run. You know what I mean? Like, like is he sitting around with Chris Jericho talking about booking plans for the next two years? No, no, no. I think well, I yeah, to come in when they they worked together at Power Struggle in 2018, yes. was it? So you know, Gato's asking him, "Oh, I want you to main event the show with Evil." You know, we've got big plans for this kid. We're going to put the title on, and there is evidence there that Evil was always 
someone that they had high hopes for. Like he beat Tanahashi in the 2017 New Japan Cup. He beat Okada in the G1 of the same year. So he's had these these big spots sort of sprinkled throughout his career that if you you know connect them together, you can see the trajectory to the top. Yeah. That's that's exactly it, Joel. It was um, I think the idea was. Uh, Gato pitched it to Jericho, and Jericho was like, "This guy," and Gato was like, "No, I'm I'm going to put the title on this dude. This guy's going to be a player. This is and it, it, I think that came out when they were talking about doing the program. I think that's how where the connection is. All right, so we should move on because I don't want this entire hour to be evil hour. So let's talk about some other topics. Um, so I think a big a big topic, I guess, is what the Western New Japan fan base has you know, thought about this year. Obviously, we all talk to the Western New Japan fan base, you know, on our shows every week. I think we have, you know, read on it and, like, what uh, different fans have thought. Clearly, they've lost some fans right now. Clearly, some fans have dropped off. I think a big question in my mind is how much of that is the booking and how much of that is other factors. So I want to throw two factors out there, and I want to see what you guys think. And this time, I'll start with the Super Jcast guys. I think, and this is my my statement here, and you guys can agree or disagree, I think the crowds are a huge aspect of this. And I get that everybody, I think everybody knows they are, you know, on some level, or will say that they agree. But I think it's an even bigger aspect than some people give it credit for. Because you went from having the hottest crowds in wrestling, crowds that were living and dying with every near fall, that were... You would go to these Corkin shows and these meaningless elimination tags and the fans would scream like wrestlers are going to get tossed over the top rope and fall into lava and die. I mean, that's how crazy these crowds were in Tokyo, especially. So you go from that to what we have today, which is only being able to clap, only being able to, uh, you know, make very little noise. They break it sometimes, but very, it's still very rare. Um, I think that's an even bigger downgrade and even bigger drag on the show than um you know the the people admit so i think that is an enormous turnoff and i think just that going back to normal at some point and who the fuck knows when that will be i think it'll be well into 2021 if it even happens that year at all um i do think that will make an impact and people will come back and you know be like oh you know the crowds are back now let me check this out again so i do think that is an element to it joel do you agree or disagree yeah, I do agree. But I mean, what else is out there? I mean, what's the alternative? Would they rather watch uh, a show in a half-filled Japanese arena where people are clapping for the most part or watch a show from the States where it's in an empty arena? I mean, it's not as if that there are you know other promotions well, out there, there with... There is one other promotion that is letting people scream as much as they want because I just watched it on Wednesday night with these with Chris Jericho coming out and they have the camera on these two fucking dudes with their masks pulled down screaming out Jericho's theme song. I'm like, well, okay. Screaming that virus into the air, guys. In all fairness, that is Florida. I mean, that is... <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I don't know. That, that part of it has frustrated me because it's like... Everything we've seen is the New Japan approach is actually like scientifically correct. I mean, screaming does it's screaming, singing, chanting. It like they've done studies on this. It does, you know, put more virus in the air. So, I mean, you can think whether I, I've seen people act like that's a silly restriction. It's a it's a scientifically correct restriction. I mean, I don't know. That's just my <laughs> my little COVID rant, I guess. I mean, it, I think it's a 
it's something maybe it's not something they had to do but it's something they should have done and especially when the rest of japanese wrestling in japanese sports is doing it uh i mean you really can't be the only company that's like you know come scream at all the virus you want uh but anyway but yeah i guess that is the alternative joel is people <laughs> screaming out jericho's theme song on wednesday nights I mean, I've got the data. I'm looking at the, some of the responses for our end of year awards for biggest disappointment. And at the moment, the first choice is increased shenanigans, so ref bumps, interference, cheating. And I think we discussed that. Yeah, the clap crowds are an issue. Also, quite high New Japan's lack of response to speaking out. I think when you know wrestlers like Will Ospreay came back and were elevated in the cards, excuse the pun, uh, unintentional, uh, I think that turned a lot of people off as well. Um, the... Ibushi briefcase, the Wrestle Kingdom booking has been an issue. Uh, a lot of people dislike evil, so you, you mix all of those things together, and, and it's just it, it seems as you know, as Damon would say, shoveling ten pounds of shit in a, a five pound bag. They've they've lost a big chunk of this year, and they need to establish new stars. And a lot of the people that they've picked to be their new stars are people that do not resonate with the Western audience as much as they do with the Japanese audience. So we're looking at people like Evil. Sanada definitely he is he's a guy who made the G1 Climax finals and a lot of Western fans are uh, quite indifferent towards him uh, Will Ospreay obviously a lot of controversy about him El Fantasmo um, you know these are the people that have been hand-picked by the company to be the next generation of stars and a lot of Western fans uh, are not too keen on them yeah so that some of that's actually stuff I was planning to cover but that's true a lot of the, a lot of those problems are uh, you know kind of converging together Damon do you have anything to say about the crowds and the difficulty with that and do you think I mean, that everybody struggles with it i don't I, you, you know even outside of pro wrestling i mean you're watching hockey in front of you know empty arenas or basketball in an empty arena or um you know football it's it's hard i i get it because i try to get into it myself and it sometimes is like well, okay it's 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 here but it's not the same Understood. And especially in pro wrestling, when the main objective is to get a crowd reaction, um, it's difficult. And you see the, 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 the wrestlers that pattern their entire career and their life and their training on just that element struggling during this time. Um, Juice Robinson is a guy who struggled as well. I mean, I, I think that a list is long, right? And we, we talk about it all the time. I, I The people that I talk to that have kind of tuned out of new japan i think the majority of it is the book and the majority of it is people that they don't that that it was hammered over their head that they are mid-card kind of guys or even young lions you know this is really the first kind of crop that that we've had fans hop in on new japan pro wrestling and see a young lion and development of young lions come back from excursions, and now they're stars. And I know that there are people that just can't wrap their heads around that. And it's been going on for years, mind you. We all know that. But it's kind of like their first go-around with this. And it's like, oh, what do you mean this guy? Jay White's a star. Evil's a star. Um, And I think people sometimes have a tough time swallowing that. Uh, But, again, I think the biggest thing that people gravitated toward New Japan, especially new fans, were those epic main events. And the fact that it feels like that's being pulled away from them, the reason why they came, the reason why they're there, because they wanted to get rid of the bullshit. They didn't want to see that anymore. They missed a certain element of pro wrestling that, wow, they found it with New Japan Pro Wrestling, and now that's being taken away. 
I can find better things to do. Uh, anything to add, Joe? Joe? I'm sorry, did you say Joel or Joe? Oh, Joe, Joe, sorry. I think there's three things affecting um, the decreased popularity of New Japan in the West. One is the crowds, which you have all touched on already, so I won't do that. Um, I could tell you that all of our shows here on this podcast network uh, are significantly less popular than they were before the pandemic. Uh, downloads are way down because interest in wrestling is way down. And it's because of uh, the thing and and the consequence of the thing being the uh, you know clap crowds or empty arena crowds or what have you. So overall interest in wrestling, period, is down. Um, and the other two factors are they lost their TV. People really underestimate the importance of the show on Axis um, to the to the quote unquote. I don't think you can call any New Japan fan a casual fan because you have to be pretty deep in the weeds to follow something like New Japan. But the casual New Japan fan, I'll term it that way, uh, their gateway and the way they followed the company, even when the show was several months behind, was that Axis show. So that was a big loss. And the third factor is AEW because I think. AEW took a lot of New Japan's Western market share. And I think a lot of the core AEW fan base are people who were super into New Japan before AEW existed. And a lot of their favorite New Japan wrestlers are now in AEW and are the top stars of AEW. So they're kind of getting their fix with their top wrestlers in an American-based company, which makes it uh, everything else easier for them as well. And it was it's easier to hand-wave New Japan uh, when they don't have TV – uh, you know that you have the the whole COVID mess, and um, you know all all the stars that you preferred anyway are, are working for the company that's more accessible to you. So um, I think it's those three factors, and the TV cannot be underestimated. Um, the TV topic, I'm glad you brought up. I didn't have that down, and that's a good one. AEW, I did have down, but maybe there isn't much else to say on that. I mean, they they clearly have taken a ton of the fan interest away uh, from New Japan whatever I may think of their respective quality. Uh, Rich, any final thoughts, I guess, on the crowds or anything else about the declining Western interest? Yeah, I think everybody else kind of nailed it there, so I, I, I won't I won't repeat any points, but uh, it, it, everything is kind of down. I mean, it, people that, you know, I, I know Damon knows this, you know, covering, you know, hockey and, and, and covering sports is like sports ratings. Every single time the NBA Finals, the NHL Stanley Cup, the World Series, anytime the ratings came out, people were like, holy shit, these ratings are like 40% lower than they were last year and 30% lower than they were last year. And people kept kind of clawing for ideas. Oh, it must be uh, the NBA players are protesting. So nobody wants to watch that. And it's like, well, here's the Stanley Cup. They're down a bunch. It's like, well, uh, uh, must be because of it. And, and, and I think everyone's just kind of resigned themselves to the fate that like, less people are interested in everything you know right now because of the lack of crowds because of covid because of things going on in their lives because of of, of various stresses and, and in america obviously a very contentious election and, and a very contentious election season like everything is done so it's like i i, I don't know that I, I i really want to make any grandiose statements about new japan being down x amount this year compared to last year yada 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 without like joe said everything's down i mean almost everything is down i mean yeah on our website i can definitely tell you uh, that new japan stuff is down more than really anything else uh in, in terms of like you know traffic in terms of the podcast downloads in terms of the reviews the previews all sort of stuff i mean new japan has been hit the hardest of, of all the major companies uh this year as far as like web traffic goes but everyone's down so it's like i i, I don't want to make any grandiose statements that this is why you know uh, new japan is down i mean it, i i think 
maybe we can in a year's time if everything's back to normal next year we can maybe look and say okay is this you know maybe now we'll have an idea uh, if people come back to other stuff and don't come back to new japan or whatever but i'm just not ready to make any big statements right now just because like i said the whole world got kind of flipped upside down and it's really hard to make any big picture you know statements based off that COVID yeah. aside, guys. COVID aside, guys, is is does that fall on Harold's shoulders? What uh, specifically? Well, TV, losing talent, knowing that you know an American audience, they're lazy and they want to just turn on, a, a, you know, they want to push a button on their TV. They might not necessarily want to log into New Japan World and have their password not take on their fire stick and have to log in 500. You know, it's just the convenience factor and the fact that you're right. They're, I mean, the biggest stars in AEW, um, you know, they had a home just a couple, you know, months before starting up uh, in New Japan. Like, does that does that have does that fall on Harold's shoulders? I think the TV thing is hard to pin on him because. Basically, Anthem uh, blackmailed them. Yeah. They gave them an ultimatum. Do business with Impact or get off of our station. Right. And I wouldn't want to do business with Impact. I don't want to send my wrestlers to Impact. I don't want to have a business relationship with Impact if I'm New Japan because it does nothing for me other than keeping my television slot. But at what trade-off? So, I mean, I can't really pin that on his shoulders because I can't say I wouldn't have made the same decision. I would have told them to kick rocks too. I think where the mistake was is they probably thought it would be a lot easier to find another outlet for their TV than it has been. It's very obvious that they're not going to be able to find another spot. Right. This is why no matter how bad the 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 uh, the hardcore New Japan fan um, drags their feet on this, it's just the right business move to get into bed with AEW because then you get your wrestlers on TV in America. If the goal is to continue Western expansion, you know, sit down with Tony Khan and make something happen. Get Okada and Naito and Tanahashi and whoever else on Dynamite and, and you know, exploit that. If you find your own TV, you don't need them anymore. If you find your, your own TV, you don't need to do any business with it. But until then, that's really your only outlet at this point. And, and AEW would be open to that. I mean, if they're open to doing business with Impact – they'd be open to doing business with new Japan. And I know the hardcore fan doesn't want to hear that, but I'm just approaching it from a business perspective. You, they, if they attempt to run shows in America, if, and when things ever get back to normal without any kind of television, Oh, they're fucked. They're fucked. Yeah. That Madison square garden show is fucked. We, we can agree with that, right? That's, that's going to be a, that's, that is on thin ice to say the least. I wouldn't even run it. No, no, I would not run it. It'll be an embarrassment. It'll be what happened with AAA. It'll be what happened in Dallas is what will happen. <laughs> at best. Yeah. The best you can hope for is 5,000 fans. I think they'd be lucky at this point with no TV and no elite. I, I mean, I, I think it would struggle. Yeah, and Dallas is the template. You're dead on. You're dead on. So I wouldn't even run it because I think it would just be egg on your face. It would be. It would look terrible, wouldn't it? The only the only counter argument, though, is at least MSG is like in the most populous section of the country that has this huge history of wrestling. I don't know. I just don't think they would do five to ten. But they have no momentum, and you're right. There's no TV, and 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 again, it's it's the hardcores that are are logging into New Japan World and watching, and if and then the numbers are down, as we see across the board, that's that's a tough building to sell and an expensive building. To say the least, 
Well, the um, one number that's not down at all is New Japan World subscribers, right? I mean, that's what's been reported anyway. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if if, if they're up or down. Um, no, they're up. They've they've said that they're as as high as they've ever been. Then that's good news on that on that point. Does that necessarily correlate to big buildings being profitable? No, and, and circling back to the Harold thing, I mean, Harold May, he was a guy, whenever you saw his quarterly presentations he did, he was always someone who talked about, you could see the interviews, he's saying that, you know, the balance is too heavily weighted in favour of ticket sales, but it didn't seem like he did much about that. And even the guy before Harold May, I, I can't remember his name, but he came up with new TV deals. There were new TV deals in, in India and, and France, Korea. So I think there were high expectations for this foreign president who... He was a you know senior executive at Coca Cola. He uh, and the, the feeling was he didn't really have his eye on creating international business deals very much. Well, there you go. Um, the AEW thing, I guess we can touch on it since Joe brought it up. Uh, you know, I for my personal enjoyment, do I want an AEW New Japan thing? I don't really. I mean, just watching that dynamite this past week and seeing just how many fucking green as grass wrestlers are on that roster like my my horror honestly goes to like my heart my nightmare is having to watch like the acclaimed or fucking private party in the world tag league because i do think they would be several steps below what we're used to seeing like from a bell-to-bell standpoint on the new japan roster and i feel like you know if if i was AEW. That's what I would want to get out of this relationship when it comes to sending people to Japan. I don't think we would be getting like, I don't know, like what what purpose would there be from them from their standpoint to send Pac to the world te- or to the best of Super Junior or something? I think it would be all you know green wrestlers who they want to get more reps, and you know from that standpoint, I really don't need any of that. Um, I really don't want to see any of that at all. Um, on the other hand, obviously, as Joe said. Getting the New Japan guys on Dynamite every week would be huge for, you know, getting any momentum going uh, for New Japan and America again. And, you know, I would I would mind turning on TNT and seeing Tetsuya Naito or Okada or whoever. It would sure as hell be more entertaining to me than what I turn on when I watch Dynamite most of the time. Um, so that from that part of it, I don't really have a problem. Um, and I wouldn't mind seeing Kenny come back and, you know, work a match or two or... Uh, you know, Moxley come back for more regular shots. They can keep Jericho uh, at this point, but yeah, I guess that's where I'm at on the AEW New Japan thing. What do you What do you think, Damon? What do you think about AEW New Japan? Um, I think a lot of the people that are skeptical of a of a partnership is that New Japan's going to take the short end of the stick, um, and they're not going to be presented in a in a favorable fashion i think that's that's the majority of the people's biggest concern um aside from you know the little jabs at kenny or uh the little jabs at the young bucks look this that comp new japan was never more popular um in the united states than when they were on the roster and they were involved and let's not hand wave some really fucking great matches Right, <laughs> it involved more than a few of those people. Um, not Cody. What, what's that? <laughs> not Cody. <laughs> the Bushi match. Well, yeah. that was the only one. <laughs> but you know, I don't know. I, 
to me, I, I think I think the one saving grace is it's not like it's Jim Hurd or it's not like it's uh, I'm, I'm going to Eric Bischoff or it's not like it's uh, Russo or it's not like it's, uh, you know, uh, McMahon's or, you know, it's uh, Tony Khan is a wrestling fan. First and foremost, he's a businessman too, uh, but he's a pro wrestling fan, and he like I don't necessarily not everything sticks with me with AEW, certainly not. But there are stuff that I'm like, okay, this is this is pretty great. Um, I, I I I think at this point, where New Japan is right now, it's not the worst idea. Um, again, do I expect? New Japan guys to go over on TV and just get jobbed out to Joey Janela. No disrespect to Joey Janela, but I don't think that's going to happen um, if there was a partnership. And here's the thing, too. They already deal with a bunch of the top guys anyway. Moxley, Jericho. It's, you know, it's, it's like they, they – New Japan has a beef with a person at this point, it feels like. And, and – and I think that can be worked out, to be truthful. Uh, Joel, what do you think? Joel. <laughs> I think an AEW deal wouldn't add much for New Japan domestically. I mean, I think their business is absolutely fine in Japan at the moment, but it's all... The TV deal would work with AEW necessarily help them get a TV deal. I don't know about that. <laughs> But it would certainly help for U.S. ticket sales. Like, you know, for example, if they can uh, get a, a John Moxley or a Kenny Omega or a Young Bucks to be able to work a New Japan show in the USA, you know, they could do big business at a, a Madison Square Garden, for example. But I just I feel that the people in charge in New Japan, you know, like Kidani Sugabayashi, they feel that they've had their fingers burnt by these guys. They don't really trust them. And I think they are reluctant to get into bed with them. I, the I mean, what you've brought up is the big stickling point for Khan apparently, where he does not want the his guys working uh, shows in the U.S. Um, you know, of partner companies. Although now, aren't they letting Kenny work Impact? I mean, I guess maybe we're sort of maybe seeing an evolution of that, right? But I guess we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Those are all things you hammer out at the table, though, right? Right. So you 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 would you know it, it's you get to sit down at the table, and then that becomes one of your negotiation points. You know, so all those things could be worked out. I, I just think it would be advantageous for both sides. There's clear advantages uh, to both sides, not just with AEW sending their green talent to work New Japan tours, but New Japan sending their young boys and some of their talent to AEW, knowing that they're gonna, uh, it's gonna be a solid part of the excursion, a steady company that runs weekly. They'll wrestle a million matches on Dark. They can go to QT Marshall and Cody School and in between the L.A. Dojo sessions, far more stable than just sending them off to work random indies or uh, work with ROH. We all know how badly ROH does with excursions and things like that. So, um, I mean, there, there's clear advantages, uh, both business advantages and talent development advantages on both sides. And I completely agree with Damon in that I don't think Tony Khan – would misuse the new Japan talent. And maybe we're both being naive. I think anybody who came over from new Japan to AEW would be treated at the level that they're at when they come over. 
still still seems like an unfair trade the green guys on each side because the new japan young boys are actually good but uh either but way. they wouldn't be pushed <laughs> i know I you. they would they would do jobs on dark the way that the uh, the indie talent does jobs on dark so it's not like um you know from that standpoint and let's not pretend that new japan is always bringing over top class talent i mean leland race and uh Whoever that other clown were worked the tag league a couple of years ago, and they're not better. Who I completely yeah. forgot, by the way. Brian Draker, yeah, Jesus. You know, Sammy Callahan came over a couple of years ago to work the tag league, and it's it's like Steve um, Anthony. Not to not to offend you, Joe. I know you're a big fan of Mr. Yeah, Steve NWA, Anthony. Yeah, I mean, they're more than willing to bring the NWA guys over with Bruce Tharp a few years ago, and you Will know, Bear Conway, you know, making a yeah. Big Daddy yeah. Yum Yum. So yeah. I mean, you some know, of these are pretty old now, but you know, I get it. I mean, yeah. I think most of these, most of the AW guys were, that I think they would send over are not up to the level of New Japan roster. But I get what you're saying. That there are there are some other guys who have come over that really weren't very good. Um, I just would have, I would not want to see some of these people for th- like a three month stint. That would be. Oh, I'm with you. Look, I don't, I don't think a lot of these uh, people are good. But I, you know, it, it's like again, this is what you hammer out at the table, though. Yeah. You know, New Japan, you know, Gato takes a look at the roster and says, I like this guy, this guy, and this guy. Who can I have? Well, and, and you also, you don't worry about the little, I mean, the, the goal, the end goal, the big picture goal is, okay, you know, New Japan wants to draw better in America. AEW wants, you know, it, that, that you you don't worry about the, hey, how are you going to use Ren Narita? Or, what, you know, where's Max Caster going to be booked? You're, you're worried about big picture stuff. You're worried about selling out MSG. You're worried about that sort of stuff. Getting back on TV, you know, getting stuff for your big guys. Yeah, like you, you hammer the little details. Later. Look at it. Uh, look at about it. the big picture stuff. I'm glad you brought up MSG. Look at it this way: they were willing to run MSG with Ring of Honor and split the gate. Why would you know if you you sit down at the table and you pitch that to Khan? You say, "Look, we sold out MSG with Ring of Honor, and let's face it, that was mostly us and the guys that and people who bought tickets to see the guys who ended up not working the show that now work for you. So let's get together. We could run MSG together and split. And you see what Khan says." I mean, there's a million possibilities here where it can be advantageous from a business standpoint for both sides. And it's not like that roster and the, and the people that are on top at AEW haven't already worked at New Japan. Right. There's, <laughs> there's, there's storyline tie-ins, everything. I mean, Cody, Mox, uh, best friends, for crying out loud. There's uh, money to be made. I mean, you know, it, it's – it's you, okay, we just talked about how we're highly – how if New Japan ran MSG this year, how – we're afraid they would take a beating and, and, and maybe they shouldn't even – if New Japan and AEW ran a joint show at MSG, oh. it, it would sell out in two minutes. Yep, two minutes flat. I mean, if, if I'm New Japan and I'm Tony Khan and, and I could get the egos out of the way, I just see so much money sitting on the table. And, and Khan, I mean, as I said, if he's willing to work with Impact and he keeps talking about um, wanting to – uh, you know, shift the balance of power in wrestling. I, I feel like he would, his side would be open to this. Well, clearly, get, there has to be I something get, going on here. I, well, I get no. Well, Joel, Joel nailed it. I get why New Japan would be apprehensive. Yeah. You know, these guys didn't resign. They jumped to this new company. There's distrust there, and I, I understand that completely. But time and money tend to heal these things. I mean, so, there's, there's no point in hammering it out right now, too, right? When there's no. No There's, point. Yeah, so you have to wait till COVID's over. But that's yeah. it. I, I think the people like Kizani Sugabashi, they're waiting to see what the, the post-COVID, if such a thing exists, sure. post-COVID yeah. landscape is in the US before they start dipping their toes in the water. And the fact that you have a, a, apparently Rocky Romero 
talking to AEW about things is a sign that maybe they're not completely against the idea. Although, but at the knows? end of the day, it's going to be those two who have to green light it. How, how, how much he's been talking about them, he apparently is uh, more disp- disputing. Because <laughs> remember, Dave yeah, said... He's not going to go on that podcast and be like, yep, I talk to him every day. You know, he's trying to be a little bit of a coy negotiator, I'm sure. Yeah, I do think there's been a, I just wanted to point out there's been, I think, a, there's clearly some people who really want this to happen. And I think they they do have a tendency to get ahead of themselves a little bit each time. I mean, I remember when that Ibushi, that video that Kenny put out with fucking Ibushi and the G1 trophy when everybody thought that meant, oh, they're doing this. And then it was like, nah, it's just this weird thing Kenny wanted to do. <laughs> it didn't actually, there was no Every change. Every time Kenny farts, people are, <laughs> oh, does that mean that they're going to have a well, golden well, he, match? Well, he keeps farting New Japan stuff. So, I mean, that's kind of him too, right? I mean, he made that fucking video. Well, but... the way people... Oh, yeah, he's doing it all the time. The, the Thanos art with the, the... Have you seen that with the the glove thing, the Infinity Gauntlet with the IWGP <laughs> title thing there? And everyone's like, oh, look, you know, he's not going to be doing this for no reason. So... Um, at the very least, he is working extremely hard to drum up interest <laughs> in their feel. I mean, he feel like he mentions it every two fucking seconds, honestly. Look at it this way. The way that every fart in the wind drums up all this kind of interest in in this thing tells you how big it could be. Right. That's fair. If, That's if they do eventually do it, which I, I feel like it's an – I feel like personally it's an, an inevitability. Okay. I fair. just think it because it makes too much sense from both sides and it's pro wrestling and it's just money at the end of the day talks. And, um, you know, I don't think it's imminent or, or right around the corner, but um, I do think it's it's inevitable at this point. Yeah, it depends on their goals. I mean, and if their goal is making money in the United States, I can't see any other path. OK, that's I, I yeah, I mean, I, de- I definitely think it could. It will probably happen eventually. I'm just saying right now, please don't send the acclaimed. OK, um, <laughs> I do not need to hear them rapping their way out. To a confused cork and then hitting people with boom boxes. Well, listen, we'll have something to do with the Intercontinental title now. <laughs> Rick Baker is your new. <laughs> um, Would it be any worse on the reception the Kingdom get a coracle when no. they do on arriving? Yeah, probably not. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing slab packs from arenaclub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying hey look at some random cards whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. 
But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your pulls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. What's going on, guys? This is Rich from the Flagship Podcast here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. If I could have a moment of your time, I'd like to tell you about one of our sponsors, Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock is a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell all three-in-one offering you triple security so you can have everything in one device rather than installing many pieces on your front door but it's not just for security the eufy video lock is also for convenience no more concerns about losing keys and you can assign passwords to your family members and see them coming back home via the integrated cameras Some other great features we love about the eufy video lock is it is easy to install and set up with just a phillips screwdriver no drilling required keyless entry no more fumbling for keys when your hands are full you never have to worry about kids losing keys or passing among renters you also have 0.3 second 0.3 second fingerprint recognition and one second unlocking again 0.3 seconds it's going to recognize your fingerprints and in one second it's going to unlock and with the ai self-learning chip embedded the more you use it the more accurate it will be also no battery anxiety you have a rechargeable battery in there that could last around four months and you will get a low battery notification before it runs out. Uh, passcode unlocking a remote control with the 2K clear sight. See who's at your door and control from anywhere through the Eufy app. With enhanced night vision, you can have optimized view even in the evening. You can also secure your package delivery by view and two-way audio. And then best of all, no monthly fee. A bunch of other brands out there are going to charge you a monthly fee. You have your recordings locally and you never have to pay for storage. Customer service. Eufy's got you handled as well. They are on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty, all backed by their professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or live chat. Personally, as a homeowner, I love my Eufy video lock. I have the ability to see what's going on when I'm not home, when packages have has arrived, and, and really the thing I love the most about it, the ease of being able to lock and unlock my doors without having to fumble with my keys and reach in my pocket or wait, no crap, they're in my backpack, all that sort of stuff. All this is happening while my dogs are barking at me. You know what? Not anymore with the UV video lock. I touch it. 0.3 second fingerprint recognition. One second. Door is unlocked. Much, much easier. So if you want to jump on board with Eufy Video Lock, search Eufy Video Lock. That is E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Again, that's Eufy Video Lock. E-U-F-Y. 
FY Video Lock or visit ufiofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Um, so the last little topic I'm going to go to before we get into the best and worst stuff of the year and then also the questions. Um, I guess I want to ask this as a general statement slash question and see if you guys agree, see if you disagree. And I'll just go, maybe it'll be a very simple answer, but I'll go down the list. I think New Japan for Wrestling, for all the booking problems that you may or may not have had this year, I think more, some people had more problems than others, clearly. And, you know, for the clap crowds and all that. I still think opening bell to main event, the wrestling, like the wrestling standard of the roster is still, if not the highest in the world, it's no worse than second or second place, honestly. Reds, do you agree or disagree with this? Do you think they're still one of the best bell-to-bell wrestling companies in the world for, when you look at the entire roster? Rich. Uh, so you broke up there. Did, were you going to me? Yes. First, okay. Uh, sorry, I didn't. Uh, it broke up a little bit there. Um, yeah, I think so. I, I you know, I, and I don't, I don't think that's ever been in, in question this year. I mean, it's obviously been a weird year booking wise, but no, I think the the work itself is you know by and large still very very good. I mean, obviously this year, uh, maybe it, it hurt a little bit by Okada not really hitting the highs that he had hit uh, in in the last few years, and obviously not hitting the highs uh, that the main event scene did because of of evil. But yeah, I think by and large, it's still a very very talented roster, one of the best rosters. And one of the best in-ring rosters in the world. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt of that. Joe, I'm interested to hear your answer here because I feel like you especially were much lower on, like, best of Super Junior and stuff than I was. So what do you think? Oh, yeah, I was. But, um, no, I mean, you know, in terms of, like, my notebook matches, New Japan slaps the field again this year. It's not even close. Uh, The next closest promotion isn't even close. So, um, it's still the best in-ring promotion in the world, even if I think... Um, they've taken a couple steps backward, but they were so far ahead of everybody else um, that it's still a significant gap between New Japan and number two. Um, you know, it, it's and they and and New Japan's best stuff still just hits higher than everyone than than everyone else. So um, I agree that they're the best in ring promotion in the world. Yeah, and I think where where they stand out to me is like there are other promotions that hit really high have hit really high too this year i mean noah for sure has hit really really high with their main events i mean AEW, even when i don't even when i make fun of i think you know 80 percent that roster fucking sucks the 20 percent that's good can do really good stuff um you know just i still think the new japan roster from like as far as having a competent roster that can always do at worst like three and a quarter stars i think they're still the best in the world at that Damon, I don't think you're going to disagree, or Joel, but I guess, uh, what do you think? Yeah, uh, I mean, Joel, you could probably speak on it a little bit more because you have access to the information, but, I mean, we have a year-end poll where we have a match of the year, and we had no trouble coming up with a nice long list for people to vote for. Um, And I don't know if you could say the same thing for every single promotion. I'm not saying every single one of those matches is, you know, top of the heap and you know should win uh no i definitely have my solid three but uh i think there's enough there and a body of work there even in a year where they took off you know a handful of months and you know the struggles with no crowds uh, you know and you know shaky booking at times i still think there's more in ring than just about any other promotion 
Joe, what do you think? Yeah, agreed. I mean, whilst the IWGP title matches are uh, arguably not at their usual level, I think a lot of the stuff underneath it has improved. For example, the heavyweight tag title division, I think, has been excellent this year. I think Shingo Takagi's reign as never openweight champion has been very good. Uh, even something like the never openweight six man titles have felt exciting and, and more important this year with the the Yoshihashi Ishi Goto team. So I feel a lot of the the stuff on the undercard has been elevated and improved to compensate for the fact that the main event matches are maybe not everyone's cup of tea right now. Yeah. So I think I think we're all kind of in agreement there. So it's not we don't have to belabor that point. Uh, but some positivity here because I think some of this show has been very negative. But uh, yeah, I do still think the the wrestling quality is probably the highest in the world overall. Um, okay, so let's talk about the let's like best and worst and like uh, various different award contenders in like your observer style awards. Uh, I'll start with your, your Flair Thez. Um, I guess Joel, if you're going to name like wrestler of the year, you know, not just in ring but also like MVP quality, who would it be for New Japan? And would you consider them a major contender for the award overall? Probably go with Tetsuya Naito. I think he's the guy who's been carrying the flag for the company. He's the, you know, the, when you think of 2020 New Japan, I think Naito is the person you think of, uh, you know, closing out that second night at Wrestle Kingdom, um, closing out the, the Summer Struggle match in Jingu Stadium. I thought he had a, an excellent G1 as well. They relied on him very heavily for main events in that, uh, in the G1 climax. So, yeah, I think he's your man. Damon? You know, this is the first year that you really can't take business considerations into consideration. Um, and that's why I kind of lean a little bit more toward Naroma. And for me, he's a guy, a junior, who all through, I mean, aside from Juchin Liger in the 90s, maybe another junior that could arguably be on the 2020 New Japan Pro Wrestling Mount Rushmore. Um, he's had an outstanding in-ring year. Um, he's been a focal point. And truth be told, he's probably the one guy that I've been interested in the entire year. Um, I, I just think he... If, if there's anyone, and I know for years, you know, people... Kushida was, you know, he's going to be... The, he, he, he's nowhere near what Hiromo is right now. Uh, Joe? I think um, it's Naito by default. I, I don't. I don't think he. I won't consider him for the overall award in worldwide wrestling. So to uh, be clear, he will not make your top three. No. Okay. Um, well, no, probably not because I'm throwing out business this year, and he just half of Naito's. Uh, such a huge portion of Naito's year was the black hole of. of of, of evil and it was just so off-putting to me and I didn't love his G1 um, Joel liked his G1 I thought Naito's G1 was okay so when you take that away what are you left with? The Double Dome the Kenta feud and then a whole lot of stuff that I didn't really love so but he's the default New Japan choice there's no other choice I can't pick evil I can't Okada was downcycled um, Tanahashi downcycled even more than Okada was even though I think he had a sneaky great year when I was looking at my stuff last night um, Hiromu's an interesting choice but he's there's a junior. Say it, Joe. Go ahead. he's a junior 
<laughs> I, I'm, I'm the anti-junior guy now. I, I, I don't know. Um, no, but but I mean, there's just too much there with Naito. When you consider the double dome, the moment beating um, Okada and and finally getting his moment, and then um, you know the 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 Jingu outdoor show. It has to be Naito. He's the selling he's, out Osaka Joe Hall as well. For yeah, Osaka. Movie. I was gonna. Bring, I was about to say yeah. that the Osaka. If you do want to bring up any business at all, that Osaka Joe Hall Joe, Joe Hall sellout for New Beginning is like. That's the kind of achievement that I don't think is getting enough attention. I mean, yeah, they have absolutely. never yeah. they have never sold out a building close to that big for a B level show before. So his first third of the year just it makes it impossible for anybody else on the roster to compare. It has to be Naito. Yeah, I mean Naito would be my pick too. I don't think that's surprising to people. Rich, what do you think? Um, so are we are we doing like an in ring wrestler of the year? Yeah, we're gonna do. We're gonna do okay, both. all right. Yeah, so because yeah. I'm kind of with Damon too. Is it's like, do I re- I don't know that I necessarily want to count business. Like you know, I, I feel like, but if there are two awards and one obviously does have to count business uh, this year, then the clear choice is is, is definitely Tetsuya Knight. So the Double Dome, uh, as you mentioned, the few shows in the first half of the year, uh, then whatever else he's kind of done this year. Uh, by default, really, it doesn't matter. I mean, the first three months or whatever, I think you know, all the credit has to go to him for for most of those big houses. So, um, yeah, he he's the easy easy pick for 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 that. You're all cowards, all cowards. <laughs> uh, yeah, I gave it to Naito. Naito is my pick overall too, but um, you know, he that's that's who I give it to. And like and like Joel, I thought his G one was excellent. So that's where I'm at with that. Um, actually, before we keep doing the awards, the other topic I forgot to bring up is one where I think. We all would agree, and uh, where I think we all can be pretty positive. Uh, how awesome is the great Ocon? <laughs> I think because I've great. seen so many, awesome. so many people pushing back on him uh, in the West, especially. I think Dave Meltzer not liking him is a big part of it. But like that guy, he just came back, made such a huge impact on Okada. You know, running in on that uh, Okada Osprey match, and he is like his merch is flying off the shelves. Apparently. Uh, New Japan said that towel of his sold out in two hours. Um, you know, I, I don't know. It's just like, I, maybe it's early, too early for a victory lap, but like, I thought he was great pretty much from the moment he came back and, you know, watching him work all that uh, judo and sambo and everything into his uh, move set during the World Tag League really just made me like him even more. So I think he's, uh, you know, the people who are like complaining about that Okan Tanahashi match. I, Joe has been writing about this too. I think we've both, one of the few things that he and I have both ranted on uh, lately on the flagship and Omakase. It's like the people who complain about that don't have a fucking clue. I mean, that's just, Okan's going to be a huge star for the next like decade, probably. I don't know, Joe, do you want to add anything? I mean, I completely agree. People who listen to the flagship, I mean, I, I pretty much talk about it every week. It's, um, it's, it, it, there's just a pattern here. I mean, people didn't believe in Okada at first. People didn't believe in Jay White. Uh, when he first came back and they're going to get burned again here. I mean, there's just, he just has a certain star presence that you can't teach. Um, and I'm not worried about the work. I don't even think the work is bad. People say he's bad. I don't think he's bad. I don't, I, I really, I don't really understand where they, where they're getting that from at this point. I mean, like what was bad about when him, like when he was taking down Tanahashi with these awesome leg captures and like working all these, these holes in between like his, uh, his spots that are already over. I just I, like what is bad is what I don't get. And the thing is, he's going to continue to refine it. I mean, look at Jay White's early work with the Switchblade character. It takes a while. These guys have to find their footing and work to these characters. It's it's it it, it takes it, you know it, it's Jay White wasn't what he is now when he first came back. Not even close. 
You know, it's trial and error. It's workshopping things. And I'm not worried about that. I'm, I'm worried about do you have the necessary charisma and star presence and those things that you can't teach. And he has them. And, um, and, I, and sorry, sorry to cut you off there, Joe. That's no, okay. Joel even mentioned that on, on, on the J-Kiss where, you know, you take where Jay White was at that time and where Ocon is now um, going into their first dome. He's way thing. ahead of schedule. Yeah, right. Yeah, he's been doing this character for two and a half years. Right. Yeah. That was the Switchblade Jay White's first ever match. Yeah, it's a great point. And, uh, and, and, and the other thing that this character has shown, same pattern in Europe. People shit on it at first, and then they slowly came around on it. And I think we're seeing the same pattern here. It's, it's an odd character. We would all agree on that. So it takes, there's an adjustment period to kind of understand what he's doing and to get past maybe the initial shock of the cartoonish aspects of it. This is exactly what happened in RevPro as well. And eventually it turned into irony. And then that irony turned into, no, this guy just rules. And he was right on the verge of a major push when COVID shut down the world. They had the long undefeated streak and Legion was the top heel faction. And he was on the right on the verge of being a top guy there when everything shut down. And it's the same pattern we're seeing with people being first exposed to him now. Shitting on it for being a cartoon. Now you have some people coming around ironically on it. And before you know it, uh, the guy's going to be a major star. And look, I don't have to tell anybody on this show. Like I said, there's no mid-level podcasters here. But getting a Tanahashi match at Wrestle Kingdom, that's the rubber stamp. Yeah. So whether you're on board or not, uh, you're stuck. With this <laughs> you're guy. not going to have a choice. Yeah, it's, it's happening. So whether you want it or not. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, Tanahashi, it's not like he walked into to, to the office and was told, oh, you're getting him. I'm sure there no. was a, you know, he, you know, he, he has a big say in, on who he wrestles in his singles match at the Tokyo Dome. Yeah, we ran it down in the flagship, and yeah, it's like, you know, <laughs> it's a who's who. Other than, other than Taiokia in, you know, 2007, it's, it's, it's a who's who of guys that are either were stars, are stars, or would soon become stars. So yeah, it, it's it. He's unless we completely want to buy in on Hiroshi Tanahashi just completely getting downcycled, but uh, that's I don't think that's the case. He, like, doesn't do, he doesn't do shit unless he wants to do it. He's Hiroshi Tanahashi. Yep. The disrespect a- to a former Triple Crown champion, Taiokea, can't can't stand. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. He fucking he wasn't that good. Yeah, yeah. There's a decent chance Tanahashi asked for this. Yeah, no doubt. I I, I think there's no doubt. Yeah. To help get the guy over on it, you know, to the next level. So. And by the way, can I? I want to cut this off right, right, right. At the past before it happens. It doesn't matter at all if Tanahashi beats him because I've already seen some people saying that, like, "Oh, if Tana beats him, I don't know." It's like, yeah, Tanahashi beat Jay White. How's that working out? Right, uh, right. They're going to push this guy, like one yeah. way or another. I mean, nothing. It will not matter what the result is at the Tokyo Dome by yeah. by by this time next year. He's going to be one of the top guys in the company. So. Yeah. I mean, New Japan booking patterns. Tanahashi has to be the favorite. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, he beat Jay White. This yeah. guy already this guy already lost to Okada. Um, they they tend to see me. I would do the opposite, and I'd have these guys come out of the gate and beat the the big star, especially a guy in his mid forties. But New Japan tends to do the opposite. They make the new guy take their lumps first, and then slowly earn the win. So um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Tanahashi wins. And no, it does not matter. And I'll go a step further. It doesn't even matter if the match doesn't land. Unless it's a complete dumpster fire, which is a total, which is a different. But Tanahashi's not capable of that unless it's Billy Gunn, not that building. Yeah, and like people are 
I mean, I've had people tell me that, like, if you go just on, like, Japanese Twitter and stuff, there's a lot of, a lot of Ocon support already. So, like, this guy, this is a guy who is connecting with the fan base over there to a big degree. Imagine Uh, Ocon getting that, that towel and that (laughs) mark and then saying, oh, by the way, we're looking forward to you and Tanahashi in the dome. Yeah. He, I can't speak to this, but just, he's also very creative on Twitter from what I've noticed. And it, he comes across like a pretty good promo. Now, again, I can't speak to it, but I also noticed they allow him to do some of the talking for Empire. Um, so there must be something to that. He seems like a clever guy who understands the right things to say. And he at least comes across to me as someone who doesn't understand what he's saying as someone who's a pretty decent promo in a way that fits his character. Yeah. I don't know if any of you have insight on that. I think, I think he is a good promo already. I mean, the, the, you can tell the way they let him go out there without a microphone and just, you know, project to that building, you know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's, you know, he's a guy that connects with the, with an element of the fan base, too. I mean, when they let him go out there, and I think some people were surprised by this, but they let him, you know, go on Twitter and still be like, you know, put Love Live, uh, like, anime stuff over his face instead of the question mark. Uh, you know, even as a heel, I think that connects with, like, you know, an element of the New Japan fan base that's also into that stuff. And, and you can see just by looking at him, he's just oozing with confidence right now. Yeah. Everything he does, he's and doing that's, it that's super important. He carries that's... himself like a star. He knows yeah. he's a star. And that, that's so important. I mean, Jay White had it. He had it when he was Young Lion. And, 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 and yeah, the same things were were said a little bit early about Oka, uh, Oka. But now that, you know, now that you see him here, it's just like, yeah, this dude. That that is so much what it is is that is that confidence and and that that's a company that seems to really when, when you feel it they feel it you, you know what I mean when they know that you feel like a star and you act like a star and you project like a star uh, there's a good chance they're going to make you a star they're going to turn you into a star so people see through you when you're not confident in pro wrestling yeah Masterato um, yeah I was about to say yeah a great example of somebody who <laughs> still feels like he's embarrassed every time he walks through that curtain you know and that and that, and that happens with, I mean that that it's not. What I mean, go to an indie show, go to an American indie show. Half the guys are still embarrassed to walk through that curtain and go, "Oh my God, here I am in my you know in my trunks, you know, wrestling in front of." The... And then there's these guys that walk through and they fucking own the building, they own that room, and those are the guys that are stars. Those are the guys that become stars. So, yeah, but I wanted to throw that in there because I know that was a topic I I was pretty sure we all agreed on, having listened to both your shows. So, uh, okay, so back to these awards: most outstanding wrestler. Uh, strictly in ring, who had the best year in New Japan? Rich, what do you think? Uh, my vote is going to be Shingo Takagi. I thought uh, the matches with Okada, the matches with Will, uh, two matches with Show that I really liked, two matches with Tomohiro Ishii I really liked, including the one you know very early in the year, I think February, uh, if I remember correctly, a, a good match with Goto in February. I thought when you, when you add in, he just had the opportunity as well. I mean, he, he was in all you know most of the big tournaments and and, and played a pretty big role. Uh, throughout the year, in terms of singles matches, had I think you know, I don't not obviously not the most singles matches when you compare them to like you know the Young Lions or your UUMers or whatever, uh, but a guy who had a, a disproportionately you know large amount of singles matches, so a disproportionate amount of, of opportunities uh, to maybe you know shine in, in in a single setting. But I thought he nailed it almost every time. So um, maybe not the highest of highs. Obviously Okada and, and, and Naito and Ibushi, I think, and, and even Hiromo to an extent have higher highs. But I thought Shingo, in terms of just consistently having high level matches uh, throughout the year, uh, he was my clear my clear pick. And is he going to be on your overall ballot? Um, I, yeah, I haven't actually really like sat down and and, and done that I, yet. I but know because I yeah, <laughs> yeah, you, you definitely you definitely know. Um, 
he's on the short list right now. I can't I can't say definitively yes or no, but but he will definitely be under consideration. Uh, Joe, uh, it's got to be neck and neck with Hiromu and Shingo. It's one of those two. Um, man, it's so hard to pick. The thing about it is, I think I liked Shingo's G one a little more than Hiromu's Best of the Super Junior. And the thing about Shingo is, um, he really carried the summer for me on all of those summer shows that I hated. Not just because of the main events. I just didn't think New Japan had a good summer at all. I think there was like a three-show stretch that was flat-out bad. Um, it was the Shingo matches that I thought were the saving grace on every one of those shows. So uh, from that perspective, maybe I lean a bit a little bit towards Shingo. To be clear, I think you mean New Japan Cup Final Dominion. Uh, basically, I'm asking Sengoku Lord, right? You don't mean Jingyo. Uh, Did you think Jingu was bad? I don't know. Maybe that's a. I didn't hold on. I'm confused. It, there were definitely three in a row. It was the New Japan Cup final for sure. Yeah. What came after that? Dominion, Sengoku Lord, I guess. It's those three. Okay. Yeah. Jingu was good. I think we Jingu was pretty good. I I I thought Jingu Jingu was was pretty fun. Yeah. But those other three were when I was, you know, I remember telling you like these. I thought that that was the worst three stro- three show stretch that New Japan had had maybe since like 2008 or 9 I mean I, I just I hated those shows Damon what do you think here from most outstanding wrestling uh, it's a short list um, I th- but I think there are certain people that deserve consideration I think Suzuki deserves cons- consideration Joe I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled that you brought up Hiroshi Tanahashi because I think he had a very underrated year um, Shingo as well but for me it's Hiromo um, from you know him at the Dome um, you know, kind of being in uh, important junior matches, um, to just coming off of this best of the super junior, where you know he's in contention of match of the year, I think, for New Japan. Um, I, I there's there's name me a bad Hiromo match, um, and I don't think there is any. So for me, he's the guy that kept me on interested in New Japan in a year where. There were moments where, you know, I struggled. And he was the one guy that if he's on the show and he's in a singles match, um, I knew I could count on. Joe? Yeah, it's Hiromu for me by quite a comfortable margin. So the Osprey match at uh, Wrestle Kingdom, the Ryu Lee match, New Beginning, I thought his New Japan Cup run was really good. I quite enjoyed it. I thought the Honda match was decent. Uh, the Ishii match was outstanding. A lot of people really high on the Okada match and the New Japan Cup. Uh, I like the evil match at Sengoku Lords. The Ishimori match at Jingu was great. Uh, the, the Ishimori rematch during the Best of the Super Juniors I thought was very good. Uh, the, the first Despy match in Best of the Super Juniors, I liked that a lot. He, he managed to drag Bushi to a really good match. Right. The Doppy match was outstanding. Uh, really good match with whoever. Yeah, Eagles main event, the show main event, terrific. I love the Taguchi match. I did too. One of my favorites of the year. That, um, that match made my top 10 for the New Japan ebook. I put that in 10th. Yeah. I love that Not match. Not surprised. And then just, just bookending it with those two matches, the Osprey match, and then the Despy Best of Super Juniors final. He's had an incredible year. And this is his first year back since he broke his neck. That Osprey match was his first singles match since his return. So just think about that for a minute. He has just absolutely killed it in 2020, coming off the back of a broken neck. Uh, so I will pretty much agree with everybody. I have Hiromu 1. I guess everybody but Rich. Rich, I think, was the one who said Shingo. I have Hiromu 1, I have, and he's second on my overall ballot. And then I have Naito 2, because um, I really did love his G1 a lot more than uh, 
it seems like anybody but Joel. But uh, yeah, I mean, then probably Shingo 3. But those are the guys that stood out to me. Suzuki's a good one, too. Suzuki had, had a really awesome like first half of the year. I just thought he didn't really sustain it into the second half. But Suzuki and Tanahashi are really being overlooked by a lot of people when I look through my notes. Um, you know, they had big years. And, um, you know, I have my... I have to mention Ishii too because I'd have him in my top three. I think. There you go. Uh, best tag team, I think. Okay, three of us here, I think, would say uh, Dangerous Tackers, not just the best tag team in New Japan, but uh, probably the best tag team in wrestling by a wide margin. I, I think Joel and Damon would agree with me on that. Um, I don't know about Joe and Rich because you guys have been like the two lowest people on dangerous techers i think on the entire planet i'm just saying like well i don't know well, like, maybe he's just thinking of joe i just don't love them i don't think well, they're like the greatest team they're, in the, in the they're universe, like they're like running them. they're running away with both uh the omakase step like the guest awards and the patron awards like that category is the biggest no who uh, the fuck else is there <laughs> I mean, well, like, well i'm just saying for all of wrestling those are the two those categories are the biggest runaways in either in both awards i mean they're destroying the field so uh so far but yeah i mean dangerous techers uh i think they were an outstanding tag team uh joel and damon do you disagree at all do you have is there anybody else either one of uh, you joel i mean listen here's here's the best compliment i can give is that the iwgp tag team championship meant something um it, where everyone just complained for years about those belts um, and I and I feel like they mean something. And then the second thing is is that it made me care about Tai Chi. It, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm a fan of Tai Chi, um, like he would be in Liger category or uh, Tanahashi category for me. No, but he's gone from a guy where it's an instant fast forward to a guy who all right that match was good to a guy that all right that match was really fucking good to a guy that all right I I'm, I'm settling in on tai chi and uh i think he's a a highlight oh that struggled to come out he's a highlight for me <laughs> joe yeah the uh, country mall is it, dangerous tech as his tag team of the year um their feud with the golden aces was outstanding but particularly the dominion match i thought that was just brilliant one of the best iwgp heavyweight tag matches i've seen for a, a very long time and uh, the the Korokuen defense against Goto and Yoshihashi, the one that went 35 minutes, I thought that was terrific as well. Uh, their match against Eli Jason, Adam Shingo during uh, World Tag League was excellent. So, yeah, there's no one else. Uh, Joe, do you want to, as the official Dangerous Tackers hater, the floor is yours? I mean, I like the match in July. I think that was the first match. Um, I just got burnt out on it, you know against Tanahashi and when you throw in all the singles matches and all the tags, it's just, I got burnt down on it. And, and no, the team doesn't do as much for me as it seems to do for everybody else. I think they're the masters of having an 18 minute match that feels like it's 48 minutes long. I, I, I just, they're fine. I mean, I don't hate them, but they just don't do a ton for me. They're the, they're the tag team of the year by default. I mean, who else are you going to go with? There's no one else to go with. Um, you know, you like Despi and Kanemaru that much? I mean, I don't think anybody does. Um, so, I mean, some, I could take them or leave them. They could break them up tomorrow. Wouldn't matter to me at all. So I'm guessing they're not going to be on your overall ballot. Oh God, no! Not even close. <laughs> no. 
Okay. Uh, I, I, I never, if I never had to watch Dangerous Techers wrestle another tag team match again, I'd be perfectly content with that. I, they're just a, they're a name on the card at this point, and I just kind of take a deep breath and sit through the match. I love them, but I can't, I can't just, dis- I can't disagree with you more on that one. I guess, but I, I've always loved Taichi. Uh, match of the year. Uh, for me, it's Okada Naito. Don't think I'll be surprising any of my listeners when I say that, both overall and in New Japan. Uh, Hiromu Despi, a very close second. I mean, the only only the second match I gave five stars to all year long anywhere. And they're, you know, both new, both these New Japan matches. So those would be my one and two, both in New Japan and overall. Uh, Joel, I'll start with you this time. What do you think have here for a match of the year? It's very difficult to pick between those two matches you just mentioned, but I think just being there in the building live at, at the Tokyo Dome to see Naito versus Okada tips it into first place for me because you know I, I go to a lot of football. Well, I went used to go to a lot of football matches, and uh, you know I've been to some big matches, Arsenal matches, where you know, Arsenal score an important goal and the crowd erupts. They're going wild. You know, you see people jumping up and down, waving their hands in the air. It was exactly the same in the Tokyo Dome on January fifth when. Naito pin Okada. People were jumping up and down, hugging each other, cheering, and it was just an incredible moment. And I think that gives it the edge for me over Hiromu Despi. I'm going to regret not going to that for the rest of my life. I forgot that you went to it. So I am very, very jealous. But, uh, you know. Damon, what do you have here for a match of the year? Well, two seats over, or one seat over. I think I was sitting next to you. My wife was kind enough to sit on a little bit over. Uh, was me um and that and you was, were awake this time I, and i wasn't drunk <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was under i was under strict rules of one um even with the, the beer vendors walking down the aisle many times uh and my puppy dog eye saying can i get one and the hand no, no um it was the moment it was and i've i've never been a part of something like that um and it's weird because the tokyo dome is is that like when Naito, when, when Okada pinned Naito and, and, and everybody walking into that building thought Naito was walking out with that title and then everybody just staring at each other like what in the fuck just happened here uh, it was similar but in reverse where again the Corkin uh, um, Sumo Hall I've never seen a reaction like that um, live where, where just as Joel described people jumping up and I mean jumping up and down as if a big goal was scored or a last second shot was made or uh, a walk-off home run. It was amazing. And I'm, and I'll never forget looking at Joel, you know, in that moment. Um, That being said, I I witnessed something that I, that, that I think was pretty amazing just the other week um, in that it was a story that for a fan of new Japan pro wrestling. and, And I talked about this. The fact that even the match itself was fantastic. But as you learn more and more and remember, like, oh, yeah, that did happen. Oh, yeah, that thing. And, and, and Joel's description last week, I, I got to give him a shout. Um, Joel's description of this match um, and the history behind it, going back to the dojo days um, and Mexico and, and leading up to the match that we saw, just an abs- it's, it's, it, what it, it is what makes me a pro wrestling fan. Um, Yes, I've seen many matches that have been spectacular and, 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 and physically just amazing. I don't think I've ever been witness to, to a match that just had the 
the deep storyline that this had um, that wasn't shoved in your face. Um, if you wanted to dive deep, you can. There's plenty to sink your teeth into. Or you could parachute right in and enjoy a fantastic pro wrestling match. And to me, that that is just an amazing accomplishment in 2020. Uh, so you're talking about Desperado Haroma, right? I don't know. That if is said, correct. I don't know if you ever said the match. So <laughs> I just wanted to make sure. Uh, so that is your match of the year, then. My match of the year. Uh, there you go, Joe. What do you think? I swore it was going to be uh, Grills of Destiny Fin Juice that he was talking about. <laughs> I oh. figured it was, but I just wanted to say for the people listening at home who might yeah. be like, "Well, who? What? Which match is he talking about?" I swear, that David Finley really did it for me. Yeah. <laughs> you never know, Joe. You never know. Um, I'd like to be different and creative, but there's no reason to be. Um, it's got to be Naito Okada for all the reasons that everybody else said. Plus, it was just a great match. Um, you know, there's really no other way to go with it, I think. So that's my pick. What do you think it'll be on your overall ballot? It's going to be close. Um, it's going to be close. There's a couple other matches, but the, the, the moment might put it over the top. You know, there's a big advantage when I... Uh, you know, rank out my matches for how important the match was. I do think that matters. And I, I, you know, it's, it doesn't mean that you have to be a main event on one of the biggest shows of the year to be a match of the year, but it's definitely an advantage when you're weighing matches against each other. Yeah. Um, so it's just that like Walter and Ilya Dragunov from NXT UK was one of the best matches I've ever seen in my life. It was on NXT UK in front of zero fans. I mean, that, that, that has to be a factor when you're weighing it against a Tokyo Dome main event, Naito's crowning moment, the match was fucking incredible. You have that great story and history behind it. Um, so all things being equal, you've got to go with Naito Okada in a situation like that. So I have a couple other matches that I'm considering and I'm mulling for my overall match of the year. Uh, you know, the, the uh, Takeshi Segura versus Goshi Ozaki match that just happened. I went the full five on that. And I think that's one of the greatest matches I've ever seen. So, in such a terrible year with COVID and clap crowds and no crowds, I've seen three or four matches that, to me, are all-time Pantheon matches. So um, I, I do think uh, it could be overcome, the circumstances that we're in. But this match didn't have to deal with any of that. It happened before COVID, and it happened in a full dome, and it had the great moment, and it was a great match. So it's easily the New Japan match of the year, and it will probably be my overall match of the year, although I am not cementing that yet setting it in stone rich what do you have uh i know we're, we're a little uh short on time here so i'll just go pretty quickly uh it, it, it's the same match you guys have as well okada and, and naito i i do i do want to revisit okada and abushi because in the in it, you know in the time that it was happening on the fourth or whatever it was like holy shit what what an incredible match that was and i think it has been uh in large part lost of time because then the next day you know okada and naito comes uh, and then that's good and then the fact that january was uh 37 months ago uh, definitely <laughs> feels like you know it, it's hard to remember that oh yeah that match was also really really damn good uh so i obviously want to revisit that match but i think it's going to be i mean th there's almost no question that it's going to be okada naito as probably my overall uh match of the year and and without a doubt my new japan match of the year all right so let's like you said we're short on time we still gotta get through questions so i'm gonna go through these last two categories quickly uh best feud for me i have dangerous techers and golden aces is number one i just thought that was as far as telling a story through your matches with that uh, Tanahashi, um, you know, 
Ibushi having to carry Tanahashi storyline and even the will he turn on him storyline, which was really interesting. I thought it was a really interesting way to tell the story and make those Korokins interesting. And, you know, the build was really fun. So that's my clear number one uh, overall and in New Japan. And my number two is Naito and Kenta because that moment where Kenta jumped him at the end of the Dome was great. All the interviews were great. Uh, The match I thought at New Beginning really delivered. So those are my top two, uh, both in New Japan and overall. Rich, what do you think for best feud? Uh, honestly, I, I don't know that there's a feud in New Japan that really resonated with me uh, the entire year, which might be a big reason why I'm I'm, I'm kind of down uh, on the company uh, throughout the year uh, as well. I think there's a lot of little feuds, and a lot of them were earlier in the year, like Moxley and Suzuki I thought was really, really cool. Like you mentioned, Naito and Kenta was really, really cool. Um, I don't know that I have, like, unfortunately, I feel I don't want to, like, cop out and give, like, uh, no answer, but it's it's I guess it's one of those. I guess it's, like, Kenta and Naito. But, like, yeah, the, the last half of the year, there was really nothing that I felt was, like, to, to me, when you know, when when this question came up, it's like, yeah, I, I don't. There's just not one that I would I would definitely say. So I guess by default, I'd say Kenta Naito because that was super hot and 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 super cool when it did happen. But um, yeah, that that's probably my pick almost by default though because there's just nothing else really really clicks and, with me. And you don't think it's gonna get your on your overall ballot? I think. No, no, uh, definitely not. Joe. Um, yeah, I'm with Rich. I I really don't know where to go with this. Um. How about Kenta and Moxley with Kenta just constantly talking shit to him? That's a lot of fun. I mean, uh, honestly, other than that, I don't. Hey, maybe Danny Limelight versus Rocky Romero. That's a good feud. That's a great feud on New Japan Strong. It's the three Does anyone else think it's weird that Danny Limelight like constantly beats Rocky Romero? Isn't that bizarre? A weird like shift in hierarchy for a guy who's not even on the roster to be beating a full time roster member left and right. Joel's our resident strong uh, reviewer. So. Yeah, I haven't, I, haven't watched, <laughs> I haven't watched the show in like two months. So I can't really tell you. But that's if other patterns are to be followed, then I guess we can expect to see Danny Limelight in NXT anytime soon. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, unfortunately, because uh, Moxie wrote our ebook, uh, he is 100% leaving, uh, never coming back to New Japan for wrestling and probably signing again with WWE because that's uh, unfortunately. We have a very... Does he even have enough matches to get a, a, a segment in the yearbook? Uh, he's going to get yeah. So there's certain guys that we we give like even if they because if we have our under five section where if you're under five matches you get put to a different section. But we have rare exceptions like obviously this year, um, someone like a Jericho who I think you know played a significant role in in, in Wrestle Kingdom. He'll get a full profile and and Moxie will get a full profile as well. Even though and Liger and Liger yeah Liger of course yeah. will we'll get a full prof, uh, profile too. So there's certain guys that get up there. But uh, yeah, next year is going to be tricky if he I don't know doesn't wrestle in the company. But I mean he's still the champion and. In a few prominent spots, but yeah, no. I totally, I've, yeah, I, the U.S. title. What a what a belt, uh, <laughs> Damon. Anything for here for best feud? Um, I mean, look, yeah, I mean, as everyone has said, it's it's been a tough year when it comes to that. Um, the the Kenta moment itself was pretty great. I mean, the, I mean, people were running to the aisles to scream at him. Um, <laughs> Uh, so that was that was that was something that I'll take to my grave. Um, so yeah, I mean, I mean, just as Joe, if, if Joe's going by default on Techers, I'm going by default on um, this view with Kenta and uh, Knight. Joe, what do you think? I'm tempted to say Hiromu Despi, but it was so short and sort of self-contained with the you know the two matches at the tail end of the year. I'm not sure that I can pick that. Well, um, the tag, the junior honestly, tag matches too. Oh, that, that's true. Yeah, okay. Well, I think that deserves a hat tip. But also, you know, I'm not I'm not trolling, but I 
enjoyed the Naito Evil feud. It got a bit long in the tooth by the end, but I enjoyed the matches more than most. I loved the story between them, and there were some, you know, great payoffs to it, like Naito getting that big moment at Jingu Stadium. You know, there's a lot of uh, bad blood going into it with the, the history between them. So uh, I want to give Naito Evil some love as well. I want to. It's funny you mentioned that because it's the I think the only feud this year so far to get best and worst votes in the omakase polls it's definitely gotten at least one best few vote i think maybe two and it's gotten two worst few votes too so there you go uh but there's best feud all right the last category best major show joel you can kick us off here what do you think for the best major show of new japan's 2020 um i will go with wrestle kingdom night two just because it had that incredible moment at the end uh, just superlative pro wrestling match. Um, I also, I really enjoyed the Tanahashi Jericho match a lot more than I thought I was going to. Uh, I'm trying to remember what else was on that card. But I'll go yeah. for Kenta. That was good. Uh, I liked uh, Jay White versus Ibushi. I thought that was a good match. Um, which tag, was that the, the heavyweight tag match on that night? Yeah. Or was it the so. junior tag I think title it was, I match? I think it was heavyweight. Yeah. So, uh, and of course, like as, retirement his his final match as well that was very special Damon yeah that was my pick um for for all the reasons um you know I uh, I I don't think I've enjoyed a pro wrestling show live as much like I might not have had as much rah-rah cheer moment um at this show but to me you know Dash was the last show that i was at and to and to see Liger get the you know the the, the ceremony and the tossing and all, I mean I I, I don't want to you know it was emotional I'm not going to lie as you know, and I think I, I, the best day of the year is the dome and um, standing outside the dome getting my balls busted for not handling myself very well in my one um, and just seeing everybody um, and then the show. How can I not? And don't forget your sukiyaki lunch as well. Are you, can right. I ask you, are you guys going to go in 2022? Because I think I'm going to go finally. Because this made me like, I keep putting it off. I'm just like, I'm not going to miss another dome if they let me go. I mean, if it's if, if everything works out financially and and all that, yeah, I don't see why not. Um, I got a bar I got to pay for, you know. I'm, I'm <laughs> fucking bar <laughs> so uh but yeah i mean if, if sitting here now yeah i mean i just pencil me in but i don't know about joe with the baby can you still go joe uh yeah i don't think the baby is an obstacle to it i guess if you know <laughs> it, it would just be a question of you know would i have to quarantine on the way in right and, and the way out you know that's that's the big question mark yeah and we're gonna get the baby a fake id anyway so she can <laughs> there you go uh, okay, Joe, best major show. Thought night one was a little deeper, maybe, but um, you know, I'll go with night two. There's no other contender other than one of those two shows. I think. Um, I have, I have, I have a different pick too. I will say. I don't, I, I don't have a different pick, but I definitely have a different one that I can bring up. Okay. So yeah, so I, I mean, I'll go with night two for all the reasons everybody else said. Even though I think night one may have been a little deeper. Rich. Uh, so I, I am actually my my pick would be night one. 
Um, I, I thought the last four matches or last, you know, at least the, definitely the last three. And I enjoyed the U.S., you know, Texas Deathmatch thing uh, as well. But the last three matches, you got Hiromu and Will, uh, Naito and Jay White, which I thought was was pretty damn good. And then Okada and Ibushi is like a pretty damn good run of <laughs> final three matches uh, you can have. And I think those three peak a little bit higher than Night 2, despite the fact that Night 2 obviously has, you know, you know that culmination. But uh, uh, so that would be my vote. But I do want to put a special shout out for uh, G1 Climax Night 13. Mm. Uh, that's one you got Will uh, versus Taichi, you got Ibushi versus Minoru Suzuki, you got Okada versus Shingo, and you also have a really, really good Jeff Cobb versus Ishii match uh, on that uh, that night thirteen as well. So that that to me was the best of, of the G1 Climax nights. It's not, I'm not going to vote for it, but but one that I think definitely deserves some 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 consideration at least. Okay, uh, so my pick actually the my overall pick or for New Japan is actually New Beginning in Osaka because I thought the Naito Kenta main event. Moxie Suzuki, uh, Ryu Lee, and um, Hiromu. I-, I loved all three of those matches. And then I thought even the undercard tags on that show were, like, weirdly really good. So that was my pick for New Japan, which is, like, third place overall for me. I didn't love either night of Wrestle Kingdom as- quite as much as you guys did, I guess. Because both nights, one of the major matches didn't hit for me was, like, uh, Tanahashi, Jericho, and Night 2. I didn't love as much as some people. And, um, you know, the White-Naito match, weirdly... I was more down on than a lot of people, I feel like, which obviously pretty rare for me for a Naito match. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's so that's where I'm at. I'm at New Beginning of Osaka as my New Japan Best, best Major Show. Uh, Joel might have to leave us shortly, but uh, if he does, then... You know, I, I might have to as well. Okay. So we, can, we can get things going quickly. Okay, because all we got left to do is the questions. So let me see how many of these we can get through. And half of them are trolls anyways. <laughs> I was going to say, there's a few questions I can skip. Yeah, just probably ignore like four or five of them. So, there's a but. few questions I can skip here for sure that we already covered. Uh, so let me go through these. First on Twitter, uh, Ed from Pop Van Dam says, uh, basically he said, if you're running New Japan 2021, do you stick with Gato as Booker, hoping he finds his groove again, or do you ditch him for someone else and try a new vision? I had to bring up this question because, first of all, it is hilarious to me that people hate Gato now as much as I did in, like January 4th, 2018. So I'm very amused by that, that now I am a uh, Gato apologist compared to some of these people. Uh, second of all, yes, I would stick with Gato. What the fuck are you talking? Like, like it's just, I, even in a year where I think people did, where he did some bad things, I think there's enough good stuff here, especially with the Ocon and like the booking of the Empire and stuff. Like, I don't want to fucking switch bookers. I want to see where things are going to go. I don't know. Does anyone disagree? Anyone want to turf Gato? No, he, he, yeah, I, <laughs> the track record, like a ten-plus-year track record of, of pretty fucking solid booking. I, I think I'll, I'll give him, I'll give him another year if he, if he you know what I mean. I, I think he's getting a little, gets a little rope here. So no, I am not uh, jettisoning Gato and giving the book to you know whoever you know and insert random name here. I, yeah. Yes, I'm not letting. Ten, yeah, right. Well, I don't know. Hold on, hold on a minute. I just no, no, Gato can stay. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm trying to think of an old guy who'd want yeah. it. I don't think Tenzan's ass wants it. He's like, I get out of here. I don't deal with this shit. Anyone want Turf Kato? No? Okay. I, one thing I will say this is that in the history of pro wrestling, bookers get burnout and bookers lose ideas. And um, you, you've seen it throughout the history of, of pro wrestling. And that is not to say that I would you know, show him his walking papers at this point. But, um, I, again, you can only be so creative. I'm sure he has a nice support system to bounce ideas off of. And he's the final say in all of this. But... Um. Yeah, we're not getting rid of him anymore. No, Gato and that team, and you know he does have that team, and Dick Togo's been added to that team. And uh, look, w- when you have this, uh, the track record of identifying and then getting over stars the way that they do there, 
why would you make a change now when this is like a very vital period in getting the next wave over? Right. You know, you've, you've got Tanahashi's done. Okada has already had his big run and, and, you know, he's got some years left, but his big run is behind him. Naito is in his late thirties. It's time for the next generation. We got to get the Okans and, and the Willow sprays and the evils and the Sonatas and the Hiromus and the next wave of people over as uh, and Jay White, I don't think Jay White's best run uh, has happened yet, not even by a long shot. So this is not the right time to make a move. My personal sensibilities and me not enjoying what has gone down, I can't assess bookers that way. I have to assess them on, are they the right people for the job and are they best for business, regardless of whether it's aesthetically pleasing to me. So no, they'd be insane to make a booking change right now. I know you said that WWE should hire Gato recently. I mean... I saw that. I, I mean, I was being kind of tongue in cheek, but at the same time, I mean, if you really want to fix it, what ails them is star creation. Yeah. Who has identified and gotten over stars better than, you know, Gato and his team? Yeah. Uh, nobody. Uh, Andrew Stewart says, all other things being equal, do you think people's opinions on the year would be different if Naito had successfully defended the title against evil? I think for sure they would. The question, I guess, would be um, how that's basically how much of what the uh year turned out to be is to, to a lot of fans it's because of evil but uh you know for sure a lot of western fans would have liked it better i think if naito had retained but i don't know if anyone has any other thoughts on that no i mean i think that's pretty obvious i mean I, I, it depends what like is it, naito retains and then evil does i mean it, it depends what your plan if your plan is like evil just you know maybe turns on him and then loses and and, and that's where you go then i think yeah i think there's a, definitely a different but you know there's no doubt, at least for, for, for me and for, for many others that, you know, evil ascending to the top and then, you know, having multiple main events and, and, and you know, multiple matches that were, you know, booked the way they were uh, definitely bogged down the years. So, yeah, I, I, it, it all depends what those next steps were going to be. Uh, if you were still going to push evil, um, I don't know, maybe no, maybe it's, it is almost the same. But if, yeah, if it was a turn and then, you know, he loses and then he just kind of has to work his way back up, then, then no, I think th- there's definitely no doubt that. Um, this year would have been received better and, and, and thought of better. It's just, it's impossible to know. I mean, it's, it, it's not just, you know, defeating Naito. It's it's then what followed after that as well. And I, I, I can't tell you what, you know, in a perfect world, what would have happened, you know, with evil uh, that would have made me, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know what those next steps were. So, but, but I assume mostly that, yeah, it wouldn't have been received without evil beating Naito. Yeah. I think if evil were put over, you know, strong, you know, you didn't have interference and all that. I think that was the biggest thing. Yeah, oh, honestly, yeah. Evil could have went in there and just beat his ass. And fucking right. was like, oh, shit, evil's good. Evil's great. Like, evil just beat Naito. Like, I, I have no no issues with that. You know, that that is a great way to book evil. Is- well, I have less issues with that. But I, will, I, wouldn't say, I wouldn't say I have no issues with that. It's still evil at the end of the day. And I think he's very uh, hit or miss for me. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I understand that train of thought for sure. Uh, Andrew Rich from Music of the Mat, of course, on this very network. Oh says yeah, what? Uh, Who's that guy? By, the, by the end of 2021 will the great Ocon have won a singles championship uh yes he will be he will win the never title in 2021 that's my prediction anyone anyone want to disagree agree uh, I think he'll win a title I don't know if he'll specifically win a singles title right it could be tag yeah because they're they're you know their programs are long and it seems like Cobb is programmed into that mm. instead of Ocon so that eats up half the year alone. And then, you know, who knows after that? And I don't think Ocon is a contender for the uh, – they're not going to split the big title, and he's obviously not a contender for it yet. So 
maybe not a singles title, but I could see him winning a title for sure. Yeah, they're just hard to come by. I mean, it, it, when you look at like the amount, I mean, in normal years and, and, and most years, it's like not a lot of guys, you know, get singles titles yeah. in this company. Can I, they, can I throw it out of here? He could win the very prestigious KOPW. <laughs> God, <laughs> hopefully not. Let's, dear God, let's hope not. If if that happens, then yes, Gato, uh, he's out. Tenzan gets the book. <laughs> give Ten, give 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 Tenkoji the book. Does a New Japan Cup count? Oh yeah, that could be it. Like, if you want to count that, I think he's. A yeah, and that's. I think a lot of times what New Japan will do is they'll supplement. You know, hey, we don't have a whole lot of singles titles to give guys, but we have you know these big opportunities, these big tournaments, these big title matches, that sort of stuff. So he he'll be in that mix, no doubt. I just I I'm like Joe. I can't definitively say he's definitely going to be a singles champion because they're not easy to come by in this company. They're very very protective of of who wins those big you know singles titles. Uh, Max Gallup over on the Super Jcast Discord says, has Will Ospreay regressed in 2020? Was his 2019 just overrated? Or am I letting my dislike of him as a person uh, affect how I feel about his performance? I, wanna... I, mean, I, can't, I mean, I can't tell you how to feel. Um, if you have an issue with his outside the ring stuff, um, right, yeah. you know, it's, it, it, it can definitely impact you. So I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong or you're right. But um i think in rent look i don't think anybody is going into this dome season and not circling okada osprey as being something that i need to watch um i i will be watching and i think that is to me um if we're talking about match quality that's that's what i'm circling yeah and and i will just jump in you know quickly and then I'm, i'm sure joe will have a response here is I think his New Japan year maybe didn't hit at, at the highest of highs, and, and that's also with you know not having the entire summer. Uh, but, I mean, elsewhere, if, if you're watching the RPW shows, the Rev Pro shows, uh, some, some really, really good work in there. Uh, a great match with Zack Sabre Jr. to me uh, earlier in the year uh, as well. So, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't think he really regressed. I think he just had you know, way less opportunities to have great matches. But you know, when he had those opportunities, uh, I thought they were pretty good. And I'm like, Damon too it's like well if, if you feel that way you feel that way. there's nothing i can tell you to you know to, to that but like as as far as like is he regressing I, I i think that's honestly it's kind of ludicrous if you watch everything that he does across the world i will say if and i've I, i've actually examined this myself a lot because i do think his g1 this year specifically was like i i thought it was a lot worse than his g1 last year but uh you know he's never been one of my my big favorites anyway but like as far as just comparing year to year in the g1 i thought his g1 was way better last year so I've, I have examined, like, I've been examining this myself, you know, am I letting uh, his outside the ring issues and, you know, all that stuff affect how I think of his matches? And I don't know is the answer. So it's a very, it's a very complex question, I guess. Um, hey, look, I mean, listen, I'm the biggest Smiths fan there is on this podcast that you're listening to right now. Doesn't mean I'm the biggest Morrissey guy either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, right. Joel, do you have anything to add? I think undoubtedly people not liking who he is affect how they perceive him as a wrestler. There's no question. I mean, um, I think that's obvious. In terms of whether he has declined, he's in four of my top ten New Japan matches of the year. Um, The Tokyo Dome match against um, uh, Hiromu, the Zack Sabre Jr. match from February 2nd, and then they had they followed that up with an even better match in RevPro uh, in the rematch. And then I thought he had um, two of the best G1 matches overall against Tomohiro Ishii and Willow and uh, and Shingo. So I thought he's I thought he was phenomenal in New Japan this year. Now he didn't have the same workload he had last year, 
And I think his 2019 is one of the best in-ring years a wrestler has ever had. So, no, I don't think he was as good as 2019. Um, but he just didn't have the reps. I mean, last year, in 2019, he was in every tournament. New Japan Cup, G1, best of the Super Juniors. And he crushed it in all of them. And I will also say this. Uh, just yesterday, I submitted my top 50 wrestlers of the year for a uh, a uh, different project I'm involved in. And uh, Will Ospreay is my wrestler of the year overall in, in the world. So um, the second part of that question, no, I don't think he's regressed at all. I think he's still the best wrestler in the world. So, Joe, tell me, how is Bill Lapter? <laughs> <laughs> well, I would love to work with Bill. Are you kidding me? I would I would revel in that. I would um... – what does Bill Apter even do these days? What's he involved? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Joel, did you want to add anything about Osprey? I, I can answer the Bill Apter oh. question. If you want. He was at one wrestling, and now I think he's at some weird ass site that I've never heard of. And I went to, and it looked like, like literally, some guy made it like ten minutes ago. So I oh, think they're not going well for Bill. But, uh, That's a shame. That's a shame. You know, I slide in those DMs. See if, see if he wants to do some work here. <laughs> maybe Joel's not here. I don't know, but uh, unless he wants to. Oh, okay. I am here. I'm about okay, to unplug my headphones because I'm holding my daughter at the moment. But okay, uh, yeah, <laughs> I I think Osprey has regressed slightly. I just feel his matches of the G1 this year were uh, a lot more sort of getting your shit in, more self indulgent. You know, maybe that was playing into the heel turn that was coming up. And yeah, I accept that my my dislike of him personally is probably affecting that to some extent. But there's just a lot more of his stuff in the G1 this year annoyed me, whereas I thought last year he was incredible. So, uh, yeah, there you go. One of, one of those things I can blow Joe's mind with, the Osprey Ishii match he mentioned has gotten multiple votes for worst match of the year in my patron awards. So, well, <laughs> people... It, all, you know, honestly, all that tells me is people have terrible taste. I can't, <laughs> I can't account for other people's taste. You know, that match was great. I don't, only, I'm know. sorry, I lied. I only got one. I thought people I got People like two. what they like. Uh, the other thing he mentioned, too, that uh, Max on the... Discord, which we don't have to all go through, but I just wanted to mention it because I think it's a great point. He said, how great has Suzuki Goon been since the restart? And they have been an awesome unit in 2020. I mean, just like between the Techers, Desperado, Suzuki had a great year. I mean, if I was going to do like unit of the year rankings, they might be my unit of the year, which, you know, wouldn't be the case in past years. So I thought they had a, did have a great year. Um, I don't know if anyone wants to add anything on that, but... Uh... Anyway, let me say here about the final questions. Uh, Gerard, also a voice wrestling contributor, said, if Shingo is peaking in the booking at never title level, do you think New Japan is leaving money on the table? I think, Joe, you would say yes. Yeah, I don't have a long-winded answer. I, I think absolutely they can get more out of him, but I don't think they're ever going to choose to. Rich, do you want to add anything? Um. Oh, okay. Rich, Rich went mute. So, Rich is <laughs> right. sorry. Now I, I, I was not on mute, and then I thought I was on mute. But now, now I'm on mute. Okay. Uh, no, I, I do. Uh, I, I think they are lo- leaving money at the table, but it's 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 kind of a moot point at this. Yeah. You know, if they do it, they'll do it. But uh, I've seen no evidence so far that they're going to do it. So it's kind of just like I don't know. Yeah. But but no no doubt. I think he's capable of it and and, and could be important. But um, they clearly see him at a certain level, and and you know there's no point in fighting it at, at, at this point. That's where he is, and and that's fine. Like I think he could be a great. Uh, contributor to that division, similar to what Tomohiro Ishii did many, many years before him, and uh, and what some other guys did as well, where they, they kind of peak at the never, and and that's fine. That I'm okay with that now, if if that's what it's going to be. Damon, Joel, anything you want to add? I mean, I think the one thing is, I mean, you can easily elevate him, warm him up whenever you need to, um, and and then have him be the anchor um, for that title. So um, 
yeah, I mean, I would agree. It's it's not in the plans. I don't necessarily see it, but um, it would be very easy for New Japan to do this. All right. Uh, so Joel had to leave us a couple seconds early, but that's basically it. <laughs> that's all I have for you guys. I uh, only went about seven minutes over the two hours, so not too bad. Uh, but yeah, that's the other questions. I think we pretty much covered them all. So Joe, Rich, uh, anything else you want to plug here before we wrap it up? You kind of plugged everything at the start, but patreon.com slash voices of wrestling, $1, $5, $10 tiers for uh, bonus content. If the three hour flagship isn't enough for you. There you go. Uh, and then I'll just jump in with obviously the New Japan ebook, as I said at the top, uh, voiceofwrestling.com. I forgot to mention the pricing structure that we have for that. Uh, you can download it for free. Uh, we have a free uh, option. We also have a name your own price option. So if you want to put uh, $1 on it, if you want to do my recommended $1,000, you can also do that uh, <laughs> as well. <laughs> $5,000, whatever you want to do. I think it allows you to uh, pay whatever you'd like uh, for the ebook. But we have a, we'll have a suggested price on there. Uh, so you can choose that as well. And then the Amazon Kindle store, it's available too. Um, a hundred thousand dollars per the nurse. <laughs> there we go. Don't let my yeah. Let if you get, if you pay a hundred thousand dollars for our book, uh, the nurse no longer has to work COVID. That so, has to be. Yeah. See, no, she made her first. <laughs> she's making her first. Omakase get award, appearance she, gets, too. she get an award ballot now. She she can go ahead and vote if she wants to. You can you give get, her the like. You get a wrestling omakase award ballot now. So congratulations. Oh. Be in the mail. So. Email. I want it actually to come in the mail. I want it to <laughs> you got that, John? Yeah. I will say she was vicious in Among Us. She killed me. So I have to say, <laughs> I wanted to mention that. But uh, anyway, yeah. Also, the, the like we said, Amazon Kindle store uh, available as well, and that will be a set price. But uh, yeah, you can download it for free, and there are many, many people that do that as well. But uh, we we should note uh, that any uh, any money that is made from the book gets split among contributors too. So uh, if you like the book, you enjoy it. Uh, consider putting a few bucks on it. And, and there's a way, too, where you can download it for free. And then if you like it, you can go back and, and, and re-download it for, you know, five bucks or whatever. If you're like, oh, man, these guys put a lot of work in this, uh, you know, it's definitely worth it. But, yeah, j- just let it know that, like, yeah, it's not going in, in Joe and I's coffers. It's it, it's being, you know, split among the contributors. So if there's an essay you really like, if there's art you really like, if there's a lot of stuff you really like, like, yeah, definitely uh, consider, you know, putting a, a, a couple bucks, whatever you can afford, obviously, in, in, in a year that's pretty tough. But uh, it'll help everybody that contributed to the book uh, make a little bit of money at the end of the year as well. So whatever you think the work was worth, how about that? Yeah. If you thought it sucked, then fucking download for free. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, but uh, uh, we're, we're pretty confident you'll get, you'll get a pretty good value for it. No matter what uh, price you decide. There you go. Damon. First of all, this motherfucker, John Carroll gets an all-star cast, myself included with Joe Land, Rich Crate, Joel Abraham, and a run-in from the goddamn nurse? This is really a who's who. Yeah, this is... <laughs> How in the hell? I mean, that's like Bo Jackson, like, walking to the All-Star game, showing up and hitting a home run. There you go. Uh, look, Bo Jackson. How long ago was that reference? <laughs> I say, yeah, that's a great reference. Are we going to talk Bo Jackson now? We can go on for another four hours if you want, but... I think, right. I think Nicole also opened and closed the door at one point. That was her run-in. I don't think she said anything, though. Well, look. Here's the thing. Um, I'm terrible at plugs. Um, I know you can follow us at the Super Jcast on the Twitter. Uh, I know we have our year-end awards. Um, so if you hate all of our opinions, you can have your voice be heard and vote for who you want. Certainly don't hit us up on Twitter because we don't give a shit. Uh, <laughs> there it is, yes. And, and lastly, let me just say uh, how absolutely proud I am of uh, to be involved with Voices of Wrestling because 
um, the Super J cast and formerly the Pure cast would not have happened if it wasn't for the inspiration given by Voices of Wrestling, number one. Number two, what a great get, that, that book. John Moxley? Come on! It's fucking great! I mean, I mean uh, yeah, listen, we're not, we, we, don't, we don't whip out the Bobos here, you know what I mean? Like, we get some big names for you. And, and some of the writing is some of the most thought-provoking and interesting and fun and entertaining things that you'll read all year about New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, I cannot recommend this book uh, highly enough just because every year I download it and I remember things and, and the features and the profiles. It's an amazing piece of work, and they bust their ass doing it, let's be honest. Um, so throw these guys a couple bucks um, and show your appreciation for the hard work that they do. Um, again, Super Jcast is the podcast. You know that already. Uh, but thank you, gentlemen, for spending some time. I was really looking forward to doing this. And one of the one of the, the key factors was, listen, I need I need Krejci and I need I need Lanzo on this thing too. Um, and you guys made it happen. So uh, I had a blast. Thank you, John, for putting it all together. Um, and yeah, let's enjoy some Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, should be a lot of fun, Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, that'll be our, I believe, our next. Uh, free episode while I'm uh, talking here because I don't even know how this. Oh no, actually no, the year end awards are next. So up next on the Wrestling Omakase uh, will be the Wrestling Omakase year end awards. So that'll be our next episode, which hopefully more people will have gotten their ballots in by then. But uh, you know, it's it's like two weeks away as I'm recording this. So it's a little weird to plug it, but yes, that'll be the next episode, the year end awards. You can follow us on Twitter at Wrestling Omakase. Wrestling, of course, would not fit. Uh, please subscribe to the Patreon, patreon.com slash wrestlingomakase. As I mentioned, that'll be the only place to get our same-day wrestling, wrestling Wrestle Kingdom uh, coverage on January 4th and 5th on YouTube. So that'll be our first, I guess, Patreon instant reaction, similar to what you guys do. Um, and I'll, I'm sure I'll get some guests lined up for that. I just haven't even started thinking about it yet. Uh, but yeah, so that'll be coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, in the meantime, thanks all of you to, for coming on here. And Joel, too, who is not hearing this because he had he has a baby. But he had to take, uh, you know, had to run off with. But uh, definitely appreciate all of you making time in your schedules, which, I'm, you know, your busy schedules. I'm not being sarcastic at all because everybody's busy this time of year. So thank you all for making time to come on with me. Uh, had a great time. And I hope you enjoyed it as well listening at home. So thank you, as, as always, for listening. And I will see you next time.